Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., spotlight shout out to big dick mlj for the intro and shout out to gisperto for making the thumbnail that you see on this video as well he's gonna be doing all the thumbnails for us so it's one less thing i gotta do steven jensen steven jensen we do not dance here we make money moves how are you buddy i'm good i'm good <clears throat> we got a, uh, a a little earlier episode for you guys today working uh overtime all week at the shoot job i'm pretty exhausted not gonna lie but I know you're also feeling a little under the weather, but we're going to get through this show today because there's a lot of really good stuff to talk about. And I'm, I'm happy to be here and appreciate everyone who's uh, here early with us today. We're going to do more than just get through this show. We're going to deliver like we always deliver yes. the, the best bout podcast. I don't think that actually makes sense, but that's okay. Uh, later on in the show, stick around. We got chess boxing champion, world chess boxing champion, 
Matt Thomas joining us. Uh, he's involved in chess boxing, influencer boxing. Uh, he helped uh, run the Ludwig chess boxing event not too long ago. He was on Love is Blind. That's all I cared about was the, the Love is Blind scoops. So he is in our creator spotlight this week. So stick around for that. Jensen, we do have a lot to talk about. Let's get into it. Let's start with... Uh, over a million fans uh, and a great number in the demo tuned in. And it was a great show, and I think it's been a run of great shows. We are going to kind of combine a couple of things here. So for the past couple of weeks, we have uh, we, we had the match announcement of uh, Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker taking on Soraya and a mystery punt. And then they didn't really do too much with it. They they were all all three women were on television and stuff. We had the Tony Storm and Hikarshida were were off to in the periphery peripheral a little bit. And then we we had last night the the big announcement that it is indeed going to be Tony Storm as Soraya's partner. She was sitting between Tony and Hikarshida. And she's like, I'm sitting next to the two best. I know I'm sitting next to the best wrestler in the world. And that's why my partner is Tony Storm. And Sheeta did not look happy about this. Renee was like, girl, really? Like, fuck, <laughs> fuck is going on here? And of course, the, the speculation, the social media speculation. Beforehand, everyone thought Mercedes was a done deal. It was reported by Stephen Mulhausen of DAZN that it was a done deal. Uh, our pal Will Washington said 100%, uh, hinting that it was going to be Mercedes as the mystery partner. And then once Tony Storm was announced, people, including myself, were like, no, nah, this is a red herring. It's going to be Mercedes. We had Britt Baker drop the I'm the boss wink line during their sit-down promo. So people are like, yeah, I don't think it's actually them. Now we have Meltzer, Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer, saying it's not Mercedes. She's not signing. She's not going to be in Los Angeles next week. A lot of information, a lot of in a week from now, we're going to find out there's going to be misinformation that has come out. Where are you at on this, Steven Jensen? <clears throat> yeah, that's a good question, man. Because like, I mean, so the, the most obvious thing to me is if she was just going to go back to WWE, why would she rebrand herself completely as Mercedes Monet and this whole thing? Like she'd just be Sasha Banks. They'd just, they'd just figure something out to where she, you know what I mean? Like why would, I don't, I, I don't think she's just going to go straight back to WWE right after all this. It just doesn't really make sense to me, but Hey, we're living in a crazy time of pro wrestling. Like anything is really, anything is really possible. Um, And I, I don't think it's like, I like, I think it's very possible that Sasha or Mercedes winds up going back to WWE at some point in her career in the future. Um, but like, why go on Twitter and like say goodbye to everybody, including she says goodbye to Sasha Banks, like to her herself, that character, basically. I just don't well, know she why said you would... thank you. It wasn't officially true, goodbye. True. It was well, thank you. True. There's a heavy implication which and, and what those thank yous mean. But yes. We are I, not in the business of misinformation, Steven Jensen. We I want to make sure the facts are out there. Okay. So yeah, she thanked a lot of people. Um she thanked a lot of people. Um Triple H, Vincent Mann, so on and so forth, uh, William Regal, and Sasha Banks. She thanked Sasha Banks. Um, which to me felt like she was saying goodbye to the company and to kind of to the WWE universe and to her old character and starting fresh. That's how it felt to me. But who knows, man? I mean, 
the the AEW stuff's interesting. As uh, as the kids would say, I thought the second that uh that Tony Storm was uh was announced, I thought that was Cap. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, I was like the yeah okay, like you know. So yeah. I I still feel like she's gonna show up. I feel like it's just been way too heavily implied, especially with what you just mentioned with uh Britt saying, uh, would you say she's the boss and winked at the camera? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I still feel like she's coming in, but. I don't know. How do you feel? So I trust Will Washington on, on this stuff. And if he seems fairly certain, then that's what makes me believe it's, it's a, it's a, all a ruse with everything. Um, I, I have a couple of thoughts on it and some are conspiracy theories. Some are actual legit thoughts. My first conspiracy theory was when she did all the thank yous, you know, everyone's like, like you and myself as well was, oh, this is a goodbye. And the conspiracy theory in me was like, oh, what if she's thanking all of them for like allowing her to do New Japan and everything? Right. And she actually is going back to WWE. So that was my conspiracy theory sure. on everything. Um, here's here's where I'm at with everything. I think she will be there next week. I don't think it's a long-term type of deal. I think she signed in New Japan. I think she that's where she actually is, and that's where she's going to be for the for- foreseeable future. She's going to work a lot of the New Japan USA shows. She's going to wrestle in Japan. She's going to wrestle on stardom, because that was always a big dream of hers, and that's what she wants to do. I think she's going to be at the AEW show, but because she's not actually like signed to AEW, they don't want to use her in this big grand over the top way. And so my, my, my theory on this is that Sheeta comes out and says, she has a partner. It is Mercedes. It's a triple threat uh, tag team match. And the way, the reason for this is because if you do Soraya, Mercedes, Brit, Jamie, the you got to pin somebody, right? You don't want right. to pin Jamie. She's the champion. Britt, it, she's taking losses. It, it'd be okay. You probably don't want to pin Soraya. You you don't want to pin Mercedes. So you throw in Tony. You throw in Sheeta. Mercedes doesn't have to be the full on focal point. Somebody like Tony or uh or even Sheeta could take the pinfall in this case, and then and, and then it. it Mercedes goes off to the background a little bit if it's just kind of a one-off or sporadic thing and she's not actually signed. That's that's what I'm leaning towards. I've also seen the theories out there that um, that Sheeta takes out uh, Tony before the match and then it ends up being Mercedes, in which case that <clears throat> might mean she has signed. Yeah, I, I think that both of those scenarios that you just laid out are... are- totally possible i think that i think honestly one of those two things is going to happen where either sheeta brings in mercedes as the partner <clears throat> excuse me or um or um sheeta takes out tony before the match I, I thought of those two scenarios as well and i think that those are like one of those two things i think is going to happen if i had to like bet on it but i also agree with you about i don't, I don't think mercedes and AEW is a long-term thing either i think it's mainly new japan stardom just like you said um i think you're i think you're pretty much like right on the money on the mon- on the money um with uh with this honestly because you're 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 pretty much saying exactly kind of how i'm feeling about about the whole thing um it was cool to see her debut obviously um you know and Tyree, i'm a big fan of too so it's cool that they're going straight to that um 
and man, I mean, you even said it on commentary, worst kept secret in wrestling, but like still big payoff. Like, I mean, the anticipation was there and it was really cool that um, Naomi and um, and Bailey were both there in person also for it. So I just, I thought it was, it was really cool. Just like the, the whole wrestling world talking about it and, and her really coming across like this big mega star. Like it really is kind of surreal, even though we expected it to see her like actually in new Japan, like make the walk down that long runway and stuff, different hair, kind of different look about her kind of different just feeling. Cause also people, <clears throat> people have to understand too, when you go to Japan, because I saw I saw some people knocking kind of like her promo or like what kind of how she was delivering her promo because they were like, well, it feels kind of like WWE still the way she's like she's speaking. But I honestly think that's more just for what it's worth. I think that's more just being in Japan, because when you're a lot of American wrestlers will do that. Like Chris Jericho is a good example. If you pay attention to how he speaks when he does like Japanese promos in, in English you just a lot of the time you'll talk and you'll enunciate slower in certain ways just because the audience a lot of them english isn't their first language so they're like so you it's just a different way of communicating so i just want to like throw that out there too that like i didn't necessarily think that mercedes sounded like too wwe in uh the way she was delivering her her uh promo or anything like that i think that was simply like her just trying to make sure like she was saying it in a way that the audience like fully understood um you know, it's so funny too, because like in Japan, they're so they're so like I don't know if polite's the right word, but it feels that way. Where even if they don't understand what a wrestler is saying, they wait for the pauses and they clap. You know what I mean? So it's just oh, like the, the best is the the Moxley O H I O and Moxley O H like, <laughs> like hi, hi <laughs> yeah, right. So, but, yeah, it's definitely politeness. It's definitely right. politeness. But so it's just one of those things. I just want to throw that out there. That's like that's that's why I think Saray or sorry, that's why I think Mercedes. You know, I don't think it was like that she's too WWE. I think it's just simply her just that's how I think it's smarter to cut a promo in English in Japan, just so it's a little easier for the the non-English to you know speaking audience to digest it. Here the her debut. I've seen a, a lot of criticism of it, a lot of people knocking it. And then of course you have the fans who are just excited to see her. I think it could be somewhere in the middle and that's where I'm at. It was great to see the presentation was great. Looks like a star. She's always looked like a star. She's always just had a natural presence and charisma about her that came across when they did, you know, they, they had the, the cry on the video up there and she was doing the dancing and everything. And then when they did a face reveal, she got a big reaction and everything. Um, and then she came out like the crowd was silent because like you said, they're just kind of respectful and polite. Uh, it it was it was a little uh, ambitious to think that oh she was just going to get this big massive star reaction right off the bat because let's be honest she's never really wrestled in Japan before it's not like she was a former stardom or Tokyo Joshi Pro person or anything like returning to the company now it's not like WWE has like, they have a presence in Japan but she hasn't been on television since may uh so it's it's sort of out of sight out of mind a little bit it's not like she again is this returning top tier uh japanese wrestler or even somebody like omega where it's like oh kenny's back like we know what kenny has done for us so i didn't expect like this massive massive reaction for her um but when they needed to make noise they needed to make noise the move obviously i don't know watched. what that was I don't even so know what that it was, was. 
it was going to be a gory, you know, gory bomb holder, holder on the back and then twisting into a DDT. There's actually footage of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's footage of it online. If you, if you see the footage of it online, when she's doing it in training, uh, the person she's doing it to kind of lands on their feet. And so there's a delay into the DDT. Kyrie goes straight down and Mercedes. It looked like was either expecting it or expecting Kyrie to kind of land on her feet, which in my opinion, like defeats the purpose of the move a little bit. Like why spend them to land them on their feet right. and then hit the move. That's why uh, I was just, confused. Cause it was like, I could tell she was had her in the gory bomb and I know she, she spun her out and like the way that Kyrie fell, I felt the same way though. Cause like, she's still like, when she landed on her, you can tell she tried to like put her weight on her right at the last second. Just yeah, it looked like a DDT, but it just didn't. It, just, it didn't look right. It didn't come. It didn't come across good at all, and it deflated the crowd. Like it, they were excited when she had her up there, and then she did the move, and then it didn't. It wasn't like shock of what happened. At least in my mind, it was. Oh, that. Ew, I don't know about that. Uh, look, I'm gonna forgive that. It it happens. They weren't quite on the same page. It sucks. It. it because it looked like it would have been a cool move and obviously it would have been a great moment. So it sucks that that happened. It's the one move she needed to hit and it didn't come across good. It sucks, but like, well, let's not hold this against her and think like, oh, everything is bad now. Uh, the promo was a little bit WWE-ish. I agree with uh, Cyclops Spider Wolverine. She's been good at promos. I don't, I've always felt she just like relied too much on like, I'm the boss, I'm the blueprints, I'm the, I, I joked like gold standard, even though that's like Shelton Benjamin. She just like relies on nicknames and stuff a lot and, and, and catchphrases. And that's very WWE style. She threw in the like bitch, which is everyone in WWE throws in the bitch at the end of their promos here. So I can understand of why like the first impression is like E, little. Maybe not the the greatest first impression. If you're a New Japan fan watching her, you're probably thinking like, eh, I don't know about this. Here's why I'm not worried. She's a fantastic wrestler. She is an exceptional, exceptional wrestler. She is, for my money, the best U.S. women's wrestler of all time. She's going to go over there and destroy these matches. She's going to kill it in these matches. And the fans... And the presentation, everything's already there. She already comes across as a big star just with the presentation alone. She's going to kill these matches, and then everybody's going to be like, and that's what gets you over in in Japan, right? Like, you have great matches, you're fine. She's going to kill the matches, she's going to get over the presentation to go along with that. I'm not worried about this at all. I get first impression, iffy, not worried. Yeah, no, I feel the same way because she'll she's gonna kill it in the ring, and that's ultimately what matters the most. Just like what you said, and for that move when she when she hit Kyrie at uh, at Wrestle Kingdom, it would have been so easy to just backstab her bank statement. You know what I mean? Like it would have been so like just stuff that like she's like tried yeah, and true. Yeah, pull her in. Yeah, turn, exactly. Deliver, yeah. Exactly. Just pull her in. Turn. It's like a move she's hit a trillion times, and like you know what I mean? Like. Just, just like you know, make her give her give us the visual of like Kyrie either passing out to it or tapping right there or something. It's like now we're set up for a match. Like she just she just showed her like big statement. Kyrie's done. So like, you know, I don't. <laughs> I, I, it is unfortunate that like the the move was botched, but like you said, it, it. I I'm I'm not worried about it either because once she actually gets into the ring and actually starts wrestling these matches against these top tier women talent over there i mean it, she's she's gonna fit right in um so yeah yeah i mean but it, it was also just it's always cool to see like the whole wrestling world kind of collectively talking about something whether they 
love that it's happening or hate that it's happening. I mean, I saw a lot of like WWE stands that were like really upset about this oh, for some reason. Suck. And then what well, I'm to say, but then like, I'm not, I'm not singling them out. Like as like a group either when it comes to like everything, just, I thought it was interesting. It seemed like there was a lot of people that were really, really happy about this. And there's a lot of people that are really, really butthurt about it. And just like, at the end of the day, y'all realize, right? Like, like Bailey is right there. Like, you know, like, like they all, all these wrestlers are friends with each other at this point. This, this isn't like a, um, this isn't like it was back even in, in like the late, the late nineties, like the Monday night wars where like the wrestlers were friends and there's pictures of, you know, WCW and WWF talent together and stuff like outside of wrestling. But there was that different competitiveness because they were like really trying to put each other out of business. So there was, there was animosity but even then, like there was the camaraderie as well. And wrestlers constantly bounce from company to company. Right now, if you're a pro wrestling fan and you're territorial, and this doesn't just go for WWE fans, it goes for AEW, it goes for everybody. It makes no sense. The, the wrestlers are friends with each other. They're going to each other's shows to support them at other events for other companies. Like if they're cool with it, why are you so territorial about it? You know what I mean? It's just... Just get over it. Wrestling's wrestling. It's incredible we're living in a time where these, these options exist, where Mercedes can have the kind of leverage and the kind of belief in herself to say, you know what? I want out from WWE. I want to get out of this contract. She waited it out. She got out. And instead of having no option or having to work, you know, potentially indie shows for like way less pay or something like that or, or you know, whatever, she has the option of new Japan. She has the option of AEW. She has the option of stardom. She has the option of, of a whole bunch of stuff. She could still work in these if she wanted to. I mean, she's just going to have it. And she can go back to WWE if she wants to. I mean, there's so many options. You go to, she go to impact and be the biggest star in the company. I don't think, I don't see that happening, but just, just examples, you know, there's, there's options out there for her to do a whole bunch of cool stuff in wrestling that has nothing to do with her being involved in the WWE. And I hope that her fans from the WWE, I say fans in quotes, cause like, the people that consider herself fans, if you're, if you just all of a sudden have turned on her because now she wants to wrestle for new Japan, that's like, that's weird to me. You know, I mean, that that's the unfortunate tribalism aspect of wrestling. Like it's, it, it's terrible because yeah, just support Sasha Banks. Like you said, Bailey was there. Naomi was there. Tamina's tweeting. All these wrestlers are tweeting. They're all happy for her. everything's like, for the most part, these wrestlers are all happy for each other. They actually don't want to put each other out of business because they realize right. that's dumb. Like the better, the more places to work, the better. Um, so yeah, be be happy for. Her. Yes, but you're gonna have your fans who are like, "Oh, well, she left WWE. Look, she sucks now." Blah 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 blah. It's dumb. It's very dumb. Uh, uh, DC Digital says, "Here you go." Um, being upset. Oh well, I, that was not the one. I agree with this, but this was, yeah, uh, me too. This is not the one I meant to click. Uh, do you feel this will help in terms of metrics? Will help New Japan getting fans like Chris Jericho did? So I checked some some YouTube numbers, and her post match promo is right now the like her post post match press conference is right now the the highest viewed one on the the New Japan World uh, YouTube page. I do think it's gonna definitely help like social media and everything. I I tweeted it last night of like they they posted that video of her entrance way quicker than they post like anything else like way quicker than they do usually they're like 30 minutes behind on like posting videos they had that video up with like 10 minutes or something i definitely think it's going to help boost their like social metrics and everything is it going to lead to more new japan world subscribers that one could be i honestly think it's a little iffy because 
the New Japan Battle in the Valley, like that's a fight TV show. So to watch that, you're actually not going through New Japan, you're going through fight. I do think it will increase uh interest on fight. I do think that'll that'll sell better than maybe the the previous ones i think it will overall she will help get new fans because they're gonna put more of an emphasis emphasis on women's wrestling they they started to do that at the end of last year and now they're going to continue to do that into this year and she's going to bring a lot of those women's wrestling fans over to now watch all of new japan so in that uh regard i do think she'll help yeah no i agree because it's it's hard to know you know if you were to look at like new japan world subscriptions right now it's hard to know how much you know of uh, uh, an influx in subscriptions is due to to Mercedes? How much of this is due to you know Kenny coming back? How much yeah. is it due to just being Wrestle Kingdom in general? You know, because I know for myself, I give New Japan about ten bucks a year. Like I, I see it on my statement, like on my account there. It's like every January I pay like my ten dollars, get Wrestle Kingdom, use it for a month, and then I'm you know then I then I'm kind of out on on New Japan for I, I keep up with through, throughout the year, but like that's kind of my. My thing, and I think a lot of people are the same way. They they order it, they get they get uh, Wrestle Kingdom for one month for like ten bucks, or like uh, like ten whatever nine ninety nine 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 yen uh, for like yeah, $8. it's actually cheaper than ten dollars American because yeah. the yen has lost value. Yeah, so now it's only like eight dollars, which is awesome. Um, and I, might, I honestly might even keep it this year, to, like depending on kind of where things go and what shows they put together, I might even just keep. I mean, eight dollars a month is like that's honestly it's a very 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 fair price. Um, for what you get. So, um, I mean, Russell Kingdom was absolutely worth eight dollars, like unquestionably. Um, but, but what what you mentioned about like the YouTube numbers is um is promising though, like because that that does prove interest, and that does prove uh being a draw. Like, I know that she needs to prove being a draw. I know that she's a draw, but you know, you know, you know what I mean. Like, there's there's actual proof in numbers if you look at YouTube videos and can see like, okay, she does the most numbers of anyone on this show for her YouTube, like for the YouTube clips. That's, that's something that I think is definitely valuable. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I mean, I'm with you. I'm with you on like, on all this. Like I pretty much agree with everything you're saying as far as like kind of where Mercedes is at, where it's going. Um, and, uh, and yeah, but, but I mean, unquestionably there are, I don't know what percentage or how many people this is, but there, there absolutely is a, a fan base of, wrestling fans that tuned in to wrestle kingdom specifically to see mercedes debut so like that absolutely is a thing it's just a matter of like how many people are we talking and how long do they do they stick around for new japan and keep subscribed to their to to new japan world and stuff like that so that's kind of where we'll see i do think it'll help i i think it i think it would be like I mean, honestly, like, I can't see how this wouldn't help their business. You know what I mean? I really think it's going to help them. So um, I guess it depends on how much she's making. Is that's she the whole the to... whole thing, right? Like, yes. I mean, right. Like, are they, are they, are, right. We don't know. That'd be speculative. But, but I, I understand what you're saying. Like, if they're giving her millions and millions and millions of dollars and it translated into, like, hardly anybody subscribing to New Japan for $8, then it's like, uh-oh, what did we do? But if they're giving her millions of dollars and, like, and they issue, bring right? in millions of dollars... Sorry, how, new, how new Japan, how new Japan spends their money ain't my problem. Just keep giving me good products and stuff. This is why I say yeah, about sports sure. all the time. Yeah. Ain't my money. Throw that money at whoever you want. Just win games. That's all I give a shit about. Hey, I feel uh, the same way. I'm right. I'm right there with you. Uh, Remedy says, did, did we start an hour earlier? Yeah, uh, we, we did. Steven Jensen is got, got, got shoot job stuff going on. This is not our normal slot. We, we will be back at 930 next week. 
This is yeah. a, a one-off, a one-off special. Okay, real quickly, uh, do you think Mercedes appears on AEW next week? Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, the other AEW topic we have in the main event of the evening last night, Darby Allen defeated Samoa Joe to become a two-time AEW TNT champion. Uh, he got out of the Coquina Clutch. He hit him with a couple of coffin drops, pinned him, celebrated with Sting, celebrated with Nick Wayne, and Darby Allen is back as the AEW TNT champion. Your thoughts, Steve Jensen? This is awesome. I mean, especially, I mean, this is in Seattle. This is Darby's hometown. Like, this was, um, this was badass. Like, because honestly, going into the match, like, I thought Samoa Joe was a really good TNT champion for the short time he had the belt. He was doing a really good job with it. And... I wasn't really ready for his run to end, Same. but but because of the circumstances with where they were, main event, Nick Wayne in the crowd, they, they and they were smart about you know on commentary Excalibur and uh, I can't remember I, I think it was mainly Excalibur because usually is him explaining these kind of things, but he was talking about you know Buddy Wayne training um, Darby Allen and then of course Nick Wayne is right there in the crowd and then I loved in like that lower third graphic it was like it had his name Nick Wayne said right there and then it said above it like 17 year old wrestling prodigy that's on an AEW's future contract or whatever it was and it's like I love that they're planting those seeds already with Nick because and then he tweeted last night only six months so it's like he's about to graduate high school I'm getting really excited because like I've been waiting a while on, on, the, on this kind of stuff. Cause like Nick Wayne, Billy Starks is, is starting to get looks now for major companies. Cause you know, she's 18. So like she's an adult, she's going to be blowing up massively here soon. Um, I mean, like you got Starboy Charlie, who's going to stay just a matter of time on him. There's so many just insanely talented teenagers wrestling right now. And to see Nick Wayne on screen, I love that. And I thought it enhanced the whole thing. Like after the match, I saw the pictures of the of, of the, Nick Wayne, Darby Allen, and Sting. Sting coming out after the match, the proud father coming out and hugging his son and celebrating and telling him he did it and he believed in him and he knew he could do it. And yeah, the match itself was awesome. And I love the you know the multiple coffin drops and the, the way the match finished. And I thought it made Darby look great. It kept Joe credible because like you know it took the the exposed turnbuckle. Um, it took, you know, once again, multiple coffin drops, like in the home field advantage for Darby. You know, I, I, I thought this main event was great. Um, and I thought the outcome was great. And I thought Darby Allen was a great TNT champion when he initially had the title. And I hope to see him do something great with it again this time, because the title has been in a weird spot for a while now. And like Darby, I think could really, it really feels kind of like a reset for the TNT title to me to put it back on Darby, but a reset in a good way. It does feel like a reset. I was actually, I thought Joe's run was like just heating up. Like right. the, the the king of television stuff with, with the ROH TV title and him just calling himself the king and making his demands and his, his promo, uh, his little promo video package before the match last night, I thought was great. Um, I, I would have liked to see Joe get a longer run because again, I do think like it was just heating up and I do think he could have done more with that title. I felt like he was really starting to find himself uh, just in AW in general, because he was off television for a good chunk of last year, just doing different projects and everything. Uh, it felt like he was like really starting to find his footing again. And, and he said as much after our, uh, which final battle that like it took him a little while. So I'm a little disappointed that it came to an end last night. I, I 
really thought he just could have done more with it. It seems like he's just going to kind of be ROH guy. And, and that that's my guess as to why they took the belt off of him because they're going to, at some point, who knows when, uh, ROH TV is actually going to start. And then it seems like they'll separate the rosters a little bit more. I'm sure you'll see like crossover with stuff, but I, I'm sure Tony also wants to just like keep some stuff separate. So I'd expect we'll see more of Samoa Joe and ROH. Darby is the champion is fine. His first run was, was very good. And I expect his second run to, to go well too, because there's, there's just easy storytelling elements with Darby, especially with the way he's just willing to take any friggin' bump that's out there. You can do a lot with him. Uh, so it should be good. Hopefully he does bring some stability to it because yeah, it's been, it's been all over the place. It, it really, since Cody lost it, uh, really the entire, the entire, run of last year it was all over the place and now 2023 like you said it does feel like a reset of like all right put it back on darby tried and true aw tnt champion and let's move forward with in 2023 which is sort of fresh start with this title yeah i agree and also i think this also needs to be used as a tool to re-elevate darby like you you keep him with sting 100 like you don't you don't mess anything up with that because i think sting and darby together is incredible and, yeah. it's, and it also keeps it to where Sting can keep getting these tag team matches and not have to wrestle singles matches. Can we get Sting and Darby of friggin' tag team title shot? We get the acclaimed right. Jared and Jay Lethal getting another title shot, even though Sting and Darby beat them. But now they're getting a second title shot for no reason. Why aren't Sting and Darby the AEW tag team champions? I agree. I think that they have, based on like their wins and losses and stuff, especially on pay-per-views, like big matches. I would definitely agree with that. Um, but defeated. yeah, yeah. And, and I think they need to make sure they're, they re-elevate Darby as a singles guy at the same time, because one of my favorite matches in AEW history is Darby Allen versus MJF when they opened up, I think it was full gear. Um, like a year, like a year ago. Yeah. Um, that match ruled. And I would love to see them run that back with MJF as the world champion and Darby. They could even do a story even if like if Darby holds on to this title for a while. Let's say he does like a good like six to eight month run with this belt. And he's like beating everybody and he's having banger matches. And then you do like TNT champion versus world champion like MJF versus Darby Allen at some point. I think that'd be pretty huge. Um, so like I think this is a good way to like re-elevate Darby as a singles guy with the TNT title. Well, also, like, you don't have to break up him and Sting. You just give him more to do on his own. Then when you need to do tag team stuff with Sting, that's right there ready for you. Are the acclaimed over enough to beat <clears throat> Sting and Darby without the crowd being very angry about it? Sting and Darby actually have a win over the acclaimed. Yeah, I uh, I wouldn't do that. Like, I, like, I, like, I don't think that the fans would like, would like that. Cowards. They should do I mean, acclaim listen, the Sting and Darby, and the acclaim yeah. should win. It should, you know, you can do babyface versus babyface. The acclaim should win. Yeah. And if the I crowd don't... doesn't like it, then they are fake fans <sighs> who don't actually love the acclaimed. It's fair. It's fair. Uh, I want to highlight this comment. Anime Otaku. I don't think that's the real Otaku. Uh, the thing I wish they do is an app, preferably a combination of Stardom New Japan on the app. See, I agree with this. Is I kind of think that they should. I know they have like Stardom World and New Japan World. Like I kind of think they should because they're owned by the same company or just combine those two. And 
maybe you could maybe you raise the price uh five dollars if you need to um but combine those two that way everybody has access access to everything since they're under the same umbrella anyway i know kevin kelly he specifically said this on our new japan uh bread club show on fightful overbooked uh he told kieran and, and matt that he wants to do more english commentary for stardom to introduce stardom wrestlers to uh, the American audience a little bit more. So I think if you did the combine uh, New Japan and Stardom World into one platform, that would be great. The app, it feels like they're a little bit behind on just like an app in general. Because yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any New Japan World app. If there is, I certainly don't have it. No, they don't have it on like Roku or anything. Yeah, looked, yeah, yeah, yeah. SP3 says just make a Bushi Road app for fifteen dollars. See, that's kind of where I'm at on things. Just it's all in the same umbrella. Put it all under there. It feels like you. One, you're exposing more of your audience to more of your product. And I think that should be the goal. And it, it doesn't divide as much. So I do wish they, they would do that. All right, we're going to move on. You know what, Steven Jensen? We're going to throw a curveball. Let's go. Our product with... is what it is. We're going straight up the middle. Not the NWA, which is about as profitable as us right now, as we're all on YouTube. I mean, they don't have a fight deal anymore. We don't have a fight deal. We might get a fight deal sooner than them. What we are going to talk about, though, is definitely not the NWA style of wrestling. The New Japan style of wrestling. Will Ospreay, Kenny Omega from Wrestle Kingdom. This might be... I mean, it's not, it might be. like This is one of my favorite matches ever. And I'm not... Admittedly, I'm not even like a huge Will Ospreay fan. I've grown... I've gained a lot of respect for Kenny Omega since the AEW stuff because his Japan stuff, look, obviously great. Uh, I'm like, I'm never going to knock those matches or anything. I enjoy him on AEW just because I saw more of him as just like a television performer. And that's what I grew up with watching a lot of wrestling on television. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time, but the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. WWE, WCW kind of style. So I've gained a lot of respect for Omega over the years. Osprey, same thing. If you want to call him a spot monkey still, and it's just oh, all spots, absolutely not. This match was so, so fantastic. And not even just the match, the, the buildup to this match. Like they, they built this thing just on social media and on interviews. They didn't really interact on television or anything until the uh, AW stuff last year in the trios tournament. And I was there when they cut the, the post-match promo on each other after United Empire won. They beat Death Triangle in the in the trios uh, tournament. Uh, like I, I was there for, or not, they, who'd they beat in the, the trios tournament in the first round? Was it Death Triangle? I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember who they beat because they lost to, to the elite in the next round. I do remember yeah, that. Yeah, so I'm pretty, I actually do think it was Death Triangle. I it just confused myself because Death Triangle, of course, ended up with, with the titles, the titles. I, yeah. ultimately at the end of the day. Yeah, I know it's confusing. I bet I'm, I'm with you. I, I think you're right. Yeah, so yeah, they, it was Death Triangle. So I was actually correct in the match that I saw. Um, so when they beat Death Triangle for for in the in the first round, and Omega and Osprey cut the promos on each other afterwards, they they basically built this up through fightful interviews with, with Sean yeah. uh, doing the interview with Omega before Forbidden Door last year, and then Osprey did the interview with with Sean before um, Wrestle Kingdom. The, the promo Osprey cut at the press conference, which didn't even feel like a promo. This man was just speaking from his heart. And those are my favorite promos, especially nowadays of like when you are just telling it like your side, like it is. And this is why I love the John Moxley hangman page feud uh, right now. Like when you're just speaking from the heart on like real shit that you've gone through and that you went through, like that's so easy to connect with. It, it, the the over the top stuff that you know used to be acceptable and still is in some regards like i can't always get with that when you were just like telling your story it's so easy to connect with that like i felt with will osprey of like bruv love bruv uh bruv like i was in this room for 14 hours like i'm going crazy i'm watching my best friend's funeral on a fucking ipad like you don't know shit about this you were taking three hour drives to to orlando and you know, in Tony Khan's uh, hotel rooms and stuff, like you were doing fine. Like you don't know, don't question my mental state. So good. And then the match, like the intensity of the match, everything felt like it meant something. The various moves, like Osprey getting his head rung up with the the DDT on the top rope, getting his head rung through the door. Uh, the finish with the Kamagoye, the callback to Ibushi, and then the One Wing Angel. This match, this build up, this story just perfect pro wrestling absolutely perfect pro wrestling yeah no i i can't really add much more to it than i mean you're i agree like i i watched the match yesterday and like i love like there like even the stuff like you just mentioned like when they took the japanese table and kenny just just bashed will's <laughs> head through it i was like that's it's funny because like we didn't really see that before it seems like such like a it, it caught like an obvious thing to do to somebody you just never really see that 
um the way that the various ways that like you said with the ddt or the like the drop down that that he did like they used the exposed uh you know a uh, steel multiple times sick. in the turnbuckle yeah it was it was it was really really well done uh osprey uh backflipping out of the uh the top rope um dragon uh, suplex um the catch I mean, suplex off the off the top rope like that was insane yeah uh, that, that omega hit like just so many so many great moments yeah i mean and then like you you kind of touched on a second ago a lot of people consider will osprey a spot monkey or whatever like if you can i don't think anybody can honestly say that about him nowadays like if you if you want to say that about him like years ago i understand you i kind of i get it but like to call him a spot monkey now is like you have to call every pro wrestler on earth a spot monkey because all he's doing like he has his spots like anyone else does but yeah. he's not just hitting random spot after spot after spot and just flying off the ropes all over the place with no rhyme or reason over the years he's put on a lot of size a lot of muscle obviously um and he has like a, like a striking game it isn't it, you know it, he's a well-rounded professional wrestler he's not out there just flipping all over the place just doing nonsensical stuff like just to do moves like he's he's one of i mean like there are plenty of people that consider will osprey at this moment in time to be the best in-ring performer in wrestling and like i understand that like i I, I don't know if I'd necessarily put him there, but he's definitely in the conversation. Like he's definitely in the the, the top three or the top five, like right off the top of my head. And if you give him, if you say he's number one, I'm not going to argue it. Like I, I understand why you, why people would, would say that. Um, I just think he needs to do more in the States and that that's not his, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's like, a that's not a fair like reason to like mark someone down or whatever. But if he, if he came to AEW for like an extended amount of time, he would be jumping way high up people's lists right now. Cause like we'd see him more often against talent that we haven't seen him wrestle before. That's a big part of this too. We got to see him. I want to see some fresh matchups for Osprey. Like, you know, so, um, but he, yeah, he's, he's, in, he's incredible. And Kenny Omega, same kind of thing. I could say, I could say everything the same about Omega. I just think Omega is a, a bit more established, you know, up to this point in his career. And if someone were to say, Hey, Kenny Omega is the best of all time. I would, or the best in the ring right now, even I'd, I'd, I'd buy that. I'd buy that argument too. Like we legitimately saw two guys like Will Ospreay. I, I think he's in his prime right now. Kenny Omega is still probably in his prime, maybe just a little bit coming out of it, like a little bit, but like based on what I saw at Wrestle Kingdom, like even if that's Kenny Omega at like 90% or 80% or whatever, he's still better than pretty much everyone out there. Like, so, um, so yeah, I mean th- this stuff was fantastic. It to- totally li- totally lived up to the hype. Um, it was cool seeing Kenny win. Kenny's the IWGP US champion, um, and I totally I expect told- them. Jensen uh, said yeah, it last week. Omega was gonna win. Everybody's like, it. "Oh, Kenny's not gonna win." No, listen to our show. Listen to me. Everybody, listen to me. Yes, you were right. You were one hundred percent right. And and also when you think about it, we haven't really seen Kenny like this in a singles match in a long time because he's been doing trios and stuff in AEW since he came back. So this was really like seeing the old Kenny Omega for the first time in a long time. Um, yeah, this, this ruled, I haven't had a chance to watch Jay White versus Okada yet. I heard that was fantastic as well. But when I, when I, when I saw that, when I, after I had finished watching Osprey and Omega, I was like, how the hell did they, like this should have been invented? Like I remember years ago when, um, because people will say 
Steven, hold on a second. Like that's the U S title. You want to always main event with the world title. I get that. But I remember years ago when Shinsuke Nakamura and Hiroshi Tanahashi wrestled for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship in the main event because, like, they had brought that kind of level of prestige to that title. You know, so, like, just want to throw that out there, too. But once again, I can't knock anything because, like, I haven't seen Okada in, in white yet, and I've heard that it was incredible. So, like, if it was and you had – I mean, what a show. If, 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 that, if that was on par or anywhere close to Omega Osprey, having those two matches back-to-back to close that show is, is massive. I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was close to Osprey really? and okay. Omega. I I didn't mind White and Okada. It did. Like it felt like a match that it feels like I've seen it every single year for the past five years. Sure. At this point, um, it wasn't bad by by any stretch of the imagination. Like it, one, it had it had to follow Osprey and Omega, and that's going to be tough as it is. Um. It, it was a good match. And I understand why Okada closing, winning, paying tribute to Inoki and everything. I I get that. Like I probably would have closed with Osprey and Omega as well, just because I figured that would that that's a dream match in a lot of respects. Like they, yes. them two wrestling after the buildup and everything. It, like I feel like that's a uh that that should have closed the show. But I get why it was Okada. Um I, I get why it was Okada, given the Onoki stuff and him. It, it seemed obvious they were going to put the belt back on him and everything. Um, yeah, st- you should still watch Okada in white, but I would lower my expectation of it being on the level of Osprey and Omega. Yeah, okay. That's. I mean, like I said, I haven't. I haven't seen it yet, so that's why I. Uh, but it's interesting to know that's the thing. With that, honestly, the thing is. It's just like what you said going into it. And this is honestly the reason I haven't taken the time to watch it just yet is it's a match I've seen. And I feel like I've seen the Okada arc of him becoming the champion so many times now that it's just like, it just kind of played out. Like Okada is amazing. He's one of the best ever. Like I'm not going to, you know what I mean? Like I'm not going to sit here and, and knock the decision to put the title back on Okada, but it just seems like we've been here and done this a thousand times. But once again, I'm also really mainly tuning into new Japan just a few times a year. So it just kind of feels like I watched the same, but then at the same time, to be honest, I was really confused and I don't want to go down this whole rabbit hole. Cause we have other topics to get to, but like I was watching the Rambo and I was like, how are like all the, like half these guys are like my favorite, like guys in like the company. Like this is like, Ishii's just like eliminated like third in the Rambo or whatever. That's all I got on this. Like what the heck? Um, so it was confusing. Cause like, I don't know, like, on one hand, it feels like I'm seeing all the same stuff over and over. And then also Jay White, there's all this speculation that he's going to leave. So, Well, know. he challenged Ikaleu to a Loser Leaves Japan match. Uh, that happened at Dash. Mm. Um, I missed not, that. Okay. There, there will be more on Fightful Select this week. That is okay. That there is all go. I'm going to tease okay. uh, when it comes to, to Jay White and Hikaleu. Uh, there you go. More on Fightful Select. Everyone subscribe. To Fightful Select. Uh, uh, Van Twin Blade says, Stephen, are you going to watch the Glory Pro Saturday Saturday night on Fight Plus? Sure, yeah. I'm subscribed to Fight Plus. I think everyone else should be too. I'm not endorsed uh, or, or anything to say that, but like for $4.99, it's, it's an incredible deal. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely, I'll, I'll check the show out on Saturday night and I'll probably review it on Sunday or recap it or whatever on Sunday for, uh, for the weekend or on Select. I think so. Phil, shout out Phil Lindsay. Uh, he's in the chat. 
Uh, he says, we're doing the Okada arc again for good reason, though. I think, and, and Phil and SB3, who are awake watching New Year Dash with me, like real New Japan fans, not all sure. these fake fans who <laughs> stayed up for Wrestle Kingdoms, like, I love New Japan, and then they don't stay up for Dash, cowards. I stayed up for uh, the Rambo and went to sleep. I was like, all right, I'll catch the rest of this later. <laughs> real New Japan fans, like SB3, Phil, and myself, uh, I think Omega Okada that that that's coming at some point this year forbidden door if, it may be forbidden door if not this year wrestle kingdom next year i i think yeah. they're they're going there uh that that's that's what it feels like uh to me anyway and, and maybe phil and uh sv3 want to chime in on that as well um if you haven't go watch will osprey go watch kenny omega somebody else i think it was dnc in the chat said Omega feels different in Japan. He does. And I, I think he also said like the seriousness and that's what it is to me is, you know, television, he plays up his more of his nerdy side a little bit. Uh, like it's, it's not that he didn't play it up in Japan. He came out the final fantasy theme. And by the way, Osprey bought back elevated, which fucking rules slapper of a theme. Uh, so he does have show off his nerdy side there, but like, it's straight seriousness from start to finish most of the time with, with Omega in Japan. Whereas on television, you know, he's, he's being a American television performer and doing things that like pop himself and his over the top facials and all of that stuff that he's, he's able to do more on, on us TV. So I get why, why people would think like, yeah, Japan, Japan, Kenny is, it, it is different. And I understand why it's different. Yeah. Okada yeah. and Omega teamed on new year dash. Uh, I saw that. Awesome yeah, I that didn't see cool. that. And, and, uh, and that's totally fair. Like, and that's why I want, that's why I want to, why I kind of preface everything I was saying about Okada and, and kind of my fandom of New Japan, how, I, how I'm very sporadic throughout the year when I, when I pay attention to it. So like, uh, with like Phil and, and SP3 and other people are saying that, you know, the Okada arc makes sense. And like, that's, and honestly, like if, if it's leading to another Omega Okada match, I'm totally fine with that. Cause it's been, a, it's been a long time since we've seen one of those especially if it was on new Japan next year or our forbidden door. So, um, so yeah, I mean, once again, I need to make this clear. I'm definitely never knocking the idea of Okada as the IWGP champion. Like I totally understand why he's in the position he's in as often as he is. He's, he's like arguably, I mean, I, once again, I don't, I don't know if it's like blasphemy to say this, but like would people would, would, would major new Japan fans consider Okada to be like the goat of new Japan at this point in his career? Cause like, I think if not, he's very much in the conversation. Um, I think he's, he's definitely, I think a lot of them would like I'm, I'm of Tanahashi yeah. and I'm not going to pretend like I've been following new Japan from like the seventies, eighties uh, and even like early nineties stuff. Cause I know I like Kenjimoto and, and Anoki, like you, you have to include, Anoki in there i'm talking right, more like late 90s to more 2000 uh era more like the last 20 years or so like tanahashi to me is that guy um but if you go back further in the history i'm sure there's there's others but okada's definitely like last 20 years it it feels like it's tanahashi and, and okada is the two guys who are like yeah these are these are the standard bearers yeah yeah, it almost feels to me, and this is a weird comparison to make, and we'll move on after this. It almost feels to me like Tanahashi was like their John Cena. I know he gets that comparison a lot. He's like the ace of the company. Tanahashi was like their Cena, and Okada was like their Randy Orton. But but if Randy Orton would have like ever ascended beyond John Cena, 
if that makes sense. Like it was like the other guy who was right there with him, who like was going to be that star parallel. They were right there. And then like Okada actually did like surpass Tanahashi. Like, and he's just like the, the main guy now. And like, I feel like Randy Orton never became that, but like had the, had like the potential to for a very long time. Um, and that's coming from someone. I was a big Randy Orton fan of the early two thousands. I was always like, he should be bigger than John Cena. Why is this guy not, why is it not John? Why is it John Cena? Not him um but now i i get it in hindsight but um anyway i hope people i hope i hope you get killed for their uh okada and randy orton comparisons both got people good are drop gonna kicks. both got good drop they kicks. both do have a good drop kick very true yeah both their matches no, okada's mean, a way mean, most of, okada's a way better in-ring performer like i'm not but it's the idea of like you know this kind of how i feel about it. like because tanahashi feels like they're john cena to me he's like they're He's been their guy for a very long time. Um, and I just, I don't know. I just feel like Okada, like, actually did surpass him. The first 10 minutes of both Okada and Orton matches mean absolutely nothing. You can skip them. <laughs> finally, maybe they'll kick it into second mm-hmm. gear. At least one of them will maybe kick it into second gear. Uh, the other other spotlight, your spotlight this week uh, in the other category, Stephen Jensen. Uh, sad news. Mm-hmm. to report as don west passed away on december 30th uh battling with cancer he went through cancer for, for a second time he beat it the first time and then unfortunately it, it came back and he he passed away uh don west i think most people know him as as tna impact announcer at, from, from the early years of the program and i mean looking back on it now i know don west like you were around at this time too jensen like don west got a lot of flack in those early days of like why is it who is this guy this over-the-top guy like he he's too enthusiastic which was a knock legitimately a knock was. on yeah. this man uh at the time and now i think people have really grown and shown that like oh yeah don west was good and there was nothing wrong with this enthusiasm like you know people praise pat mcafee for having this enthusiasm like don west was doing that way before Pat McAfee was doing WWE commentary. Like he, he loved the product. He loved just like talking about wrestling and putting over everything. And yeah, he, for some reason that was a bad thing back in the day. And I think it was because like we had grown so accustomed to just like the heel color commentator of like, Oh, Jerry Lawler brought Bobby Heenan. uh, Gotta get your quips in. And like, that's what the color commentator should be. Not this guy who just loves everything. And now we we've grown to accept that like, Oh, this isn't a bad thing at all uh but r.i.p don west he i hope everybody who watches that stuff nowadays appreciates him more than they probably did back when it was actually yeah uh live yeah yeah and you know just full disclosure too like you know i, I lived in nashville for nashville tennessee for a long time and and so did don or he or he either lived in nashville or somewhere close by around the same time i did or, or I, I had like mutual friends with him. Like there was like multiple people I knew when I lived in Nashville where like they found out I was into wrestling and they'd be like, Oh, I know Don West or like, I know Don West's wife or whatever. And they would always say the nicest things about him and his family. Like that he was a universally loved guy inside and outside of wrestling. Um, I'm honestly getting kind of emotional, like bringing it up, like talking about this, to be honest, because like, I, he's a guy who like, just like you said not even just in wrestling this is gonna sound so corny but for people around my age you'll get it i used to stay up late at night and watch infomercials right and like he was the baseball card guy like he like it was late night he'd be the one ken griffey rookie card 
Michael Jordan rookie cards. And he'd be opening packs and just slashing prices there live. You know what? 10 packs for $5. I'm just going to do it. I don't even care. Shipping and handling included. I'm crazy. And like the guy behind the camera would be like, Don, you can't do that, man. He'd be like, don't even care. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. You got five minutes, everyone. Ken Griffey Jr. rookie cards. And then like he would I remember one time specifically that was so great where he accidentally knocked an entire table of, of cards over onto the floor, hundreds of cards. And instead of like getting embarrassed and like, like trying to start over or like redoing it or, or like playing it off. Like he was cool. He leaned into it and was like, you know what? And he like knocked all the cards, thousands of cards onto the floor and then laid in them and started swimming in cards and was picking <laughs> cards up off the ground, like from like his back and his stomach and was, just showing the, we got this card, we got that card, we got this, we got that. And I just, he was such a good salesman. Like, and, and that's, he worked so well for TNA. Those brown bag specials that were like 20 bucks for like four DVDs and a t-shirt or whatever. Yeah. Like, like I mean, it was, it was awesome. Like Don, I, Don West, I've said it before and I'll say it again. And I'm not, I'm not just saying this because he just recently passed away. You can, you can find record of me saying this over the years on multiple podcasts, on multiple platforms. My favorite commentary team in the history of professional wrestling, for me as a fan, was Don West and Mike Tanay. Loved them. Um, because similar to what you just said about Matt, Pat McAfee, I think it's a very, I'd say I've made that, that comparison myself. It works really, really well to have just a total Mark fan who has like a good voice who is enthusiastic who the is very relatable to the fans especially the casual fans as long as you have a professor mike Tanay or a michael cole or someone like that right next to him who can explain like the wrestling side of things to the wrestling fans and, and like really explain the stories and the history of the sport and everything and honestly one of my favorite moments probably my favorite don west moment ever in wrestling was that it's that famous clip. I mean, it, it's been like gift or gift or whatever a, a trillion times, but um, I'm sure people have seen it, but basically Don West announces at the end of an impact episode that it's going to be Samoa Joe versus Scott Steiner. And the crowd explodes. <laughs> like they are so hyped. And and Don West and Mike Tanay high five each other at the yeah. announce desk. And Mike and a Don we- or a Mike Tanay is like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's so fired up. And Don West is like, is like celebrating with the crowd. I was like, man, this is like. And also, we got to remember, this was also during a time when WCW had just gone out of business. ECW was out of business. We pretty much just had WWE for the most part when it came to you know American pro wrestling and TNA did something very special that I think is very underrated for years in being in all, they were never competition to the WWE, but they were a legitimate alternative that had great professional wrestling. And Don West was a major voice of that generation. And a lot of that talent is who you see right now on AEW television and on WWE television and stuff. A lot of, a lot of the talent that he called on TNA is the current landscape of stars. So um, I, th- I hope Don West gets more recognized in like the wrestling space over time. I know he's, I, th- I believe him and Tanae are in the TNA hall of fame or the impact hall of fame, but I really hope, I don't think I, they are. I could be wrong, but I, I th- but I think that Don West, like I'm not necessarily saying like WWE hall of fame. Cause he, I don't know if the WWE audience really knows much about him. 
but I, I, I would hope that like AEW or WWE or some like I, I, I would really like the larger organization to like really pay tribute to Don West just so the wrestling fans that maybe don't know about him realize how important he was to to TNA and to wrestling when like wrestling didn't really as a fan, I needed that alternative bad at the time because I was not liking WWE and I, and I was a, still a massive wrestling fan. I needed something. And so, yeah, I, um, I have all the respect in the world for Don West for not, even, for not just stepping into this world of pro wrestling, but for sticking with it through all the criticism. And in my opinion, doing a really, really damn good job. Um, I thought he, I thought he fit his role perfectly. And I, I hate that he, he had to, you know, he was he was so sick and he had to struggle at the end of his life. And once again, I've, I've just I've just I've known a lot of people that knew him and his that, that have known him and his family and stuff. And he just it really it sucks. The wrestling world lost a really great dude. Um, and honestly, a big voice of my childhood between between wrestling and the 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 goofy infomercials. You know, like I I'll always remember that dude uh, very fondly. So rest in peace, Don West. Um, if you or anyone is close to him or any family member just know that like I'm thinking about him and he's got a lot of fans out there. They're going to really miss that dude. He would have been like even bigger in like the social media age, the, the clips, like yes. people, people are still like posting clips from his, his shopping home stuff and, and the TNA stuff. Like nowadays, like him on like Twitter and stuff, just the, the clips, the comments and everything. his, his specials where he would, you said the Brownback special on like impact shop, like those commercials yeah. and stuff, those would have blown up on like YouTube and Twitter and everything. They would have completely, completely blown up. Like, yeah, he, he could have sold anything impact, uh, P too early. If it, if it, if it had the roster would have been, I guess just AEW. Uh, but yeah, it peaked too early with, with, uh, Don West and everything he did before social media became like super prominent and everything. Yeah, and I agree 100. percent He would have been a way bigger, way bigger um, in the social media age. So yeah, people out there that are hearing this, like, go if you if you're unfamiliar, go check out his work in TNA. Go check out his these infomercials I'm talking about. You'll oh, get a yeah. kick out of him. He is the the best salesman. He's better than than Billy Mays and Ron Popeil and and all those guys. Like I I, I watched all of them. I watched the the Showtime rotisserie oven, set it and forget it. I watch all the knives. I watch the the the, the blenders and all the food processors. I've watched all those things. And, and Don West was the man. So uh, we're gonna move on to our WWE spotlight. But RIP Don West. Go, yeah, definitely go check the check out uh, the infomercial stuff because he fucking rules. Legend. You want to be a professional wrestler, or do you want to be a WWE superstar? WWE superstar sounds a whole lot better than made than being a professional wrestler. Steven Jensen, the greatest women's WWE superstar in WWE history, is back. The Queen, Charlotte Flair, hashtag bow down, returning on SmackDown to defeat Ronda Rousey to become the 14 time, which I don't think is true. I feel like it's more than that, but they don't count certain title reigns nowadays. The 14 time women's champion, huge pop, massive reaction, the biggest baby face in the company, the greatest female superstar of all time. The queen is back. Steven Jensen. The funny thing is, I non-ironically think that Charlotte probably is the best female superstar in WWE history. Oh, she like, is. I'm, like, I'm not even I'm like, not yeah, that. I'm not even like, I, yeah, like I'm not even like, I don't know if this is the bit or what, but like, yeah, I, uh, I, I honestly like, kind of subscribe to that. Um, 
yeah, it's good to see you're back, man. This is this is my spotlight this week. Um, the fans seem to love it. It's so funny how the I'm not just the WWE fans. I'm not, I'm not singling them out, but it is so funny how fickle they are because like they'll go from just hating someone to loving somebody. So so it's rousy, man. If if Charlotte does this to Bianca, right? Charlotte's the biggest heel in the company, but she does it to Rousey. It's like, yeah, Charlotte, we missed you. They're gonna hate her again this week when she comes back and she's just like, I'm back. I got this belt. I'm the opportunity. Yes. I didn't waste any time. I said, just give me this shit. It belongs to me now. And she's gonna get booed. But for for that moment to take out Ronda, people are so sick of Ronda. Just dislike Ronda so much. Like, yeah, Queen, we love you, Queen. Yes, Queen. bow down. Yeah, I mean, and once again, this isn't just WWE fans. This goes for AEW fans. Obviously, I'm still salty about the, some of the ways they've turned on some of their performers over the years as well. But I, I mean, it's, it's just great to see Charlotte back. And like, so Ronda had just beat Raquel to retain the title, so she was in a vulnerable position, but still accepted that that match on the spot with with Charlotte. Charlotte had a new entrance music, um, and kind of a different look too, like. It reminded me a little more of kind of her NXT look a little bit, which I liked. Um, so, yeah, I I mean, here's the thing. Charlotte's, and this is what people need to like really just accept that are Charlotte haters. Her gimmick is literally that she's always the champion. And if she isn't the champion, she's challenging for a title. That That's the gimmick. So yes. if anyone's salty about Charlotte came back and she's the champion again already, well, if she's there, she's going to be. That's the whole thing. So I know it might sound crazy and some people are not going to like that concept of how could somebody's gimmick be that they're just always the champion. Well, once a lifetime, somebody finds up being the daughter of the nature boy whose gimmick was also to be the champion all the time, you know? So it's just kind of, she's just kind of the perfect person to be in this kind of role. So, um, so yeah, anyways. And another thing is too, People really don't like Rhonda, like you said. So it's, it's kind of pick your poison, too. If you don't like Charlotte, you don't like Rhonda. Well, I, mean, I, guess, I guess pick you like better or don't watch the show. If you're going to be, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Um, those are your options right now. And I'd imagine they'll probably run that back again at some point in the future. And Charlotte so. should kick her in the face immediately. Again, nothing like a good kick to the face. See, I'm repping Big Dick Bob Fish kick oh, there, there we go, go. Nice. where's the lie nice. a good kick to the face is just great charlotte opening the match with a good kick jake cargill always throws a nice good kick to the face love love those uh yeah phil phil says it people don't, don't like it already yeah once they yeah. It, it, the initial oh she beat ronda stuff like wore off people were like oh charlotte's the champion again great here we go with this again. And it's hilarious because Charlotte has done a million interviews and has said like, I want programs where I don't want need the title and stuff like that would be great for me. I want different stories and different layers and all of this stuff. And then it's just always, ah, just take this title. Here you go, Charlotte. Just, just go ahead and take this belt. Right. Yeah. There. It rules. Look, the SmackDown women's roster. I ain't like enamored with it or anything. You know, Ronda just beat uh, Raquel Rodriguez. I'm not as high on Raquel Rodriguez as I guess others are. Uh, I like Shayna, but Shayna is just kind of where she's at. They're Shotzi. I, I, did, did, I don't even know who else is there as I try to stumble. I know I'm the same boat. I was about to say, like, if, if, you know, if you're unsatisfied with Ronda and you're unsatisfied with, uh, with Charlotte, who is, who are people like clamoring for 
is like Liv Morgan there still and like Liv, yeah Liv, Liv, Liv had her run and they're they're doing different stuff with her with the, you know making her more extreme and everything so Liv isn't like bad or anything like that but we've seen kind of Ronda and Liv and that sort of ran its course and everything. yeah I remember I lost a thousand dollars on that I remember <laughs> My favorite bit of <laughs> not even a bit. I actually did. Yeah, I know, but, but how bad but you were. I how know. bad you were on that. I, I lost a thousand dollars on a on professional because of a professional wrestling match that because because Charlotte beat up beat up Liv the entire match and then Liv pinned Charlotte pinned herself. Yeah. With yeah, a, Ronda with a, well, that's sort of what happened here. She got caught in the arm bar and just. Fend yourself and, yeah. and didn't let it go. And that's why it'll lead to the rematch between Charlotte and Ronda, uh, I'm sure. So cool. We get to see that again. Uh yeah, I people are already like turning on the Charlotte stuff. I don't care. I'm happy to see her back. It's legitimately not a bit with me that I love Charlotte in this position. And it's not a bit because like it just makes people mad. And I don't have time to be angry about pro wrestling. It seems very stupid to be angry about pro wrestling. You either move on from it or you find the humor and enjoyment in it. And when it comes to Charlotte, I find humor and enjoyment in, in what is happening. For sure. And those are those two things aren't exclusive. It doesn't have to be humor and enjoyment. You can have an enjoyment and then have humor with stuff. For me, it's both when it comes to Charlotte. Sure. Yeah, I'm with you. Good to see, good to see Charlotte back. And once again, like she's... Is, She's she's great in the ring, at least in my opinion. I, I really like her matches and stuff. So it's not like it's like this weird, stupid thing to put the title on her again. Like she's gonna have good matches. The stories will be good. She's she's honestly of, of all of their like their overall. Let's be honest, roster, the, the stories the stories are going to be. I'm Charlotte Flair. I'm the champion. Can you can you beat me? And the women we get ready to hear a lot of. You're always the champion. It's always yeah, all about Charlotte. I'm gonna beat you. That's the story. That's about. true. That that's fair, but once again, like I, I'm, I'm here for it. I think it makes sense to put the title back on her. Like, why not? So, speaking of finding humor and entertainment, again, not make sure exclusive and things. Alexa Bliss is spooky again. Mm. I personally, what's wrong, Jensen? You don't like this? You aren't ready for for the oh. Dr Pepper uh pink pink out match? With Alexa Bliss. Okay, so I I had heard they're doing some sort of a blackout match, and that's it. It has to do with like Mountain Dew, right? It's like a or someone yeah one Mountain Dew pitch black pitch fight, and so yeah, dude. So so when you when you sent me the topic for this, I had to like go on YouTube and find out what you were talking about. But you you just sent something that said Spooky Alexa. Yeah, I was like, that's all you need to know. Okay. Um, yeah, I watched it. So, what do you want to talk about with this? Go ahead with how much it rules. That's uh, what I want to talk about. Okay, so hold on. I want to make sure I know. I, I want to make sure we're on the same page as to what I saw. So, this was when you say spooky Alexa, are you referring to um, like how she was in the match with Bianca, and yeah. then like there was people in was it Uncle Howdy masks in the there crowd? Were people in Uncle 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 Howdy, uh, <laughs> Uncle Howdy masks at, at ringside, and so it. it put her in a trance for a little bit and then Bray's logo is flashing on the screen and then she just snaps and she beats up Bianca she beats up the referee she does DVDs on Steel's caps uh DDTs on Steel steps and just go goes ham on everybody and then you know she's like I found myself you know she's had these little 
twinges over the past few weeks, specifically when the logo flashed and she caught Bianca and the, the sister Abigail and then like let her go. And she's like, Oh, I don't know what happened and everything. Uh, it, the hints have been there since Bray has returned. And we've seen, of course, the spooky Alexa stuff way back when she was aligned with Bray. And I know people are going to be mad about it because they're like, oh, Alexa, the goddess is her, her best work when she was just tearing people apart on the microphone. Uh, but this spooky Alexa stuff just pops me so, so much. And it rules. And anybody else is a hater. Mm. So I don't want to be labeled a hater. But <laughs> um, I, if I... The all I was gonna keep it real. All of this Bray Wyatt, Uncle Howdy, all of it, just none of it's for me. Like this is just so beyond my realm of of what I like in wrestling that I just don't. I'm so I'm once again when Cody if people hate better bring up Cody Rhodes even though he's like one of the biggest stars in wrestling and like we're gonna talk about him. He's coming back soon. Um, when he comes back, like I'll be way more invested in WWE again because I'll be watching the show more regular. But like. <laughs> what I've seen of this Alexa bliss and Bray Wyatt and uncle Howdy and all that stuff. It's just, it just comes off as super goofy to me, but, I'm, but also I gotta, I gotta make it very clear. If I was like eight years old, this would probably be awesome. And that's what this is targeted towards. So like, I'm not hating on Absolutely it. I'm, not. Saying, I'm a man. I'm 34 and I love this. That's okay. But you <laughs> listen, you can also be a man and be 34 and be into power rangers like i am but also <laughs> recognize that it's for eight-year-olds you know what i mean like which is which is where we're at with this so like i'm jensen they they reenacted a scene from scary movie in, in this match they reenacted the the fight between um the one woman and and the zombie in, in scary movie you gotta, you gotta watch these clips side by side i know you had to watch scary movie you've seen oh scary. no i've seen yeah i've seen yeah. i've seen the first and the second one yeah a bunch of right. times yeah, the, the the one spot where she's holding her head back, the zombie's head back, and the zombie is, like, swinging and everything. They just reenacted this shit oh, they did in that. the middle of the match. It okay. rolled. Because I just saw pretty much the Alexa freak out. I was skipping around, but I saw her I saw her freak out and leave, and I saw her looking at the people in the, in the masks. And then I, she did a promo afterwards, too, talking about, like, I just proved to her that I should be the champion. It's like, okay, like, whatever that's fine if if you like it you like it if you don't you don't it is what it is uh definitely isn't for me but uh but there are plenty of people it's for and that's why i'm not i, I don't consider myself a hater i just i'm just gonna be honest that it's not that's not why i watch pro wrestling let's put it that way you are a hater uh sp3 <laughs> uh confirms or clarifies that it was from scary movie three. Oh, so that's why i don't know okay because i yeah no. i didn't see the scary movie three regardless it ruled that they just decided to go full scary movie with it. They see, I feel like they know it, it has some humor in it and they're just leaning into it. And that's why I can appreciate it. Bray. Sometimes it feels a little too serious of like, ah, this is like my masterpiece. And I'm like, eh, I don't know about this buddy. Uh, but, but like when it, when it comes to Alexa, I feel like they, she knows there's a little bit of, of humor side to it. And I do think there was some of that in the first Bray run with like the fiend and stuff. I could feel some of that. And I, that's what I want. Like, that's what I want. I need lean into the over the top humor of the stuff. If you do try to take it too serious, then I'm like, okay, this is dumb. Mountain Dew pitch black match. This screams like, yeah, we know this is like kind of corny and goofy, but fuck it. This is what we're doing. We got a sponsorship 
out of it. And that's why I can appreciate it a little bit more. You know, if I'm wrong and they actually do think this is like their, their, uh, a godfather or whatever, then whatever they're wrong. And I, I choose to not think that at all. I choose to think this is their scary movie and scary movie ruled. And this rules. Well, and you know, I, this, I don't remember what it was. It like, it was like a KFC battle Royal or something. Yeah. That was great. Back. Yeah. Like, the pizza, I mean, the pizza hut. I think it was pizza hut. So, I mean, there, this just seems like one of those kind of things. It's just funny that like, isn't Bray Wyatt involved in that match in the pitch black match or yeah. whatever. So yeah. like, it's like supposed pitch to be black like, match. <laughs> yeah. That's the match that Jerry screen is what, is what we'll be seeing. Um, this, is, this is what it's going to be. It's just, she's going to hear South. Oh, yeah. tap the mic. Then it's going to come go. back and people are just going to be busted open. And, you know, hold on. Just like, ah, Bop. bang, ping. They got bloody nose. Oh, there you go. Yeah, a bloody nose off of everything. There you go. And Bray Wyatt wins. Um, yeah, Bray Wyatt's there and he's the victor. So, yeah, I. <laughs> It, you know, I I'd imagine they're gonna have a match. I, I imagine we'll be able to see the match. I don't think they're that naive that or whatever that they're gonna just show us a black screen, of course. But I I just don't. I oh, just don't care. Real quickly, and then, then I know we have to move on to our indies uh, spotlight. DNC Digital can't wait till LA Knight or Bray has a promo to say pitch Mountain Dew pitch black match in a promo. LA Knight was on the bump yesterday and he's like the pitch black match the mountain dew pitch black match like he had to catch himself I'm like oh, shit gotta get that no. sponsor in there it oh, rules no. it freaking rules you know sometimes when i'm thinking about the next time i'm gonna attack the fiend what i'm gonna do i gotta take a good sip of mountain dew and kick back and formulate my next move and bray wise over there like, yeah yes yeah, son i I know you like Mountain Dew, but so do I. Let's yeah. fight each other in the dark. Let me talk to you. Yeah, I like Mountain Ooh. Dew. You like Mountain Dew. Pitch black time. <laughs> Who cares? It's a stupid hater. Absolute hey, but I'll. Hater. Hey, but I'll say this. I'm. I'm. I, I've heard that Eli Knight or um, sorry, LA Knight has been doing yeah. good on uh, like apparently they've like pushed him. I guess so that's cool. Maybe maybe it'll work out for him. I don't know. I I just I the last thing I saw was like Uncle Howdy apparently had hit his sister Abigail onto Bray Wyatt, and I'm just like, yeah. this is so goofy. Like, okay, <laughs> let's just whatever. We got we got I got like less than ten minutes before I gotta go to work. <laughs> let's go to our indie spot. I'm gonna keep making you do uh Bray and Alexa and goofy shit because this rolled. I'm gonna give a big motherfucking shout out. Uh, both of our indie spotlight actually involve IWTV and IWTV uh, championships. And we'll, we'll start with the IWTV world title as they had a gauntlet match after uh, Matt Kruger, uh, Cruel, uh, dropped the title because he was he vacated it because he was injured. And so they, they did a gauntlet match with the former champions. And it, the victor was Matt Tremont, which surprising, I thought, you know, we, we ran down the list of competitors and everything, and we kind of thought it would, it would be somebody new, but I don't think either of us uh, really had Tremont, like, like winning this. Uh, I think, like, I was leaning towards Adam Priest, and I who were you leaning towards? Were you also leaning towards Priest? Yeah, I was kind of leaning towards Priest as well. Yeah, uh, but Matt Tremont wins, and he is the new IWTV champion. What are your, what are your thoughts on this? 
is an interesting choice. Um, you know, so Cruel was injured in a match against Tremont. So I could see maybe they're putting the, tr- the belt on Tremont for when Cruel returns. I could okay. see that being like him trying to get the title back from the guy he got injured against. I could see that maybe being a thing. I don't know how long uh, Cruel is going to be injured for. And I did see reports recently that um, it's being reported that um, – because Cruel is also Mads Kruger in MLW. He's apparently leaving MLW if he hasn't already. Yeah. Um, they just had that blow off with him and, and Mance on uh, their tables match and stuff on TV. So um, I could see that. And also, regardless if Cruel comes back or not soon, the, what was different about Cruel becoming the IWTV champion, and we didn't get to see it play out because he got in the, his, the Tremont match was his first match, his first title defense. So he never really got to do anything with the title. But without going down the whole list, you know, most of the IWTV champions up to this point have been like, like technical wrestlers to, for the most part. It's been like Jonathan Gresham and Tracy Williams and um, Lee Moriarty and Alex Shelley and like those kind of guys. Um, Dana Garcia. Actually, did Dana Garcia ever hold the title? I don't think Dana Garcia. Actually. I don't think Garcia. Ever no, did. Garcia never actually held the title. I'm thinking Wheeler Yuta. I got him. Wheeler Yuta did. Wheeler yeah. Yuta and, uh, and Lee Moriarty went back and forth. Um, but um. Dana Garcia had a lot of title matches for the belt, but he never won it. Um, but regardless, that's kind of the whole point. It was a lot of technical wrestling for the most part. Um, Adam Priest, a technical wrestler, but really known for his, his whole gimmick is any style. You know, he, he'll wrestle anyone, anywhere, any style. Um, my whole point, though, is that with Tremont, it's a, it's different because he's more of like a brawler, a deathmatch guy, a hardcore, a legend of that scene. Um, so... I just think it's, I think if they wanted to do something different with Cruel as the IWTV Independent Wrestling World Champion, they can kind of still accomplish this, a similar kind of run, I think, with Tremont having that title of what, of what they were going to probably try to do with Cruel. So um, from that sense, that's, that's kind of where I see it as. I think it's either kind of replacing Cruel and like that type of role as champion, a different kind of like monster type of champion, and or when cruel returns the guy who he got injured against might be the one who had you know who has the belt still so i think that if it's a setup for cruel and and tremont that's a that's a smart move to to go that route my not issue but uh kind of thought on it is you know you said it, it the belt has always been sort of like independent wrestler or, or uh technical wrestler and now like they are leaning towards deathmatch and even cruel like seems a step a little bit out of the norm AW is going to keep signing talent. WWE is going to uh, like they're they're really scouring the indies and stuff right now. Tremont probably a guy not on the WWE or AW radar. Like, do you think that maybe he got the title because like we can we know he's going to be around here for a little while? Where if we put this belt on Adam Priest, it could be an NXT six months from now, maybe maybe even less. Maybe I mean that's that's an interesting point, you know, and and. Uh... You know, Tremont obviously does a lot with GCW as well and stuff. And he runs, you know, H2O and the school and like he's very involved. Um, I remember years back, uh, Cody said that he actually he was trying to do a death match with Tremont on the indies before AEW started, which was pretty wild. Um, and he never got to do it. But Tremont's that, you know, he's very, very well respected. Um, what when it comes to like the idea of signing people, I've said this on the weekender for years. Um and now is a really good time to really start bringing it up. I think WWE would be, it would be blasphemy, honestly, if they didn't sign cruel, like that dude is, he could be a massive star in the WWE. 
for people who just know him as Magic Kruger and MLW, he's way better than what you've seen on MLW. I think the one thing kind of holding him back, if anything, is he is older. Uh, I believe he's in his late 30s. And so I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know what their hiring process is nowadays, but you know, do they want to take a take a chance on you know signing a, a guy in their his late thirties and then pushing him? He is coming off an injury, like that. So what? He's thirty seven. Uh, I was just trying to clarify that. So he's thirty seven. So it, it's not like he's the end of his career or anything, but he's obviously closer to the end than he is at the beginning at this age and i think that might be the one thing where it's like oh maybe 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 we don't take him that's fair but my 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 perspective is more coming from like he's a big dude who can really work in like today's in today's wrestling landscape when it comes to the wwe especially because all wrestling is kind of trending smaller now anyways like the average size of like these superstars is way you know shorter than it was you know when we were growing up and stuff like on average cruel is a legit giant who can do like Tope suicidas to the outside and stuff like that. If he needs to like there's So it's just one of those things where I think with his size and what he can do in the ring, he fits really well for like the current day uh, landscape on like, on like, you know, on a mainstream show. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. And then also if you just transition into my other spotlight real quick, just cause I don't have much time left. Um, Violence is forever. Dominic Green and Kevin Koo. They are the IWTV independent wrestling um, tag team champions. Now um, they've developed the belts have finally been they're official. They're the champions. The tournament is done. Like VIF is the, is the, is the champs and everyone kind of saw that coming and they should be the champions. They they've won the IWTV independent wrestling tag team of the year for their awards. Every year they've had the awards. They're in my opinion, the best tag team on the Indies currently. And not only did they win the titles, right after the match, Kevin Koo grabbed a microphone and he called out bald and hair on the <laughs> microphone and straight up, just straight up called out FTR and said, like, Daddy Tony isn't is afraid to let you play with us, basically. And I love this because I'm a big VIF fan, have been for a long time, been supporting those dudes. I interviewed Kevin Koo in my old apartment in Nashville in like 2016 or 2017, like like I have been following these guys journey for a long time and they, they are, they're good dudes who have helped so many people. Kevin Q being, uh, he runs Southern underground pro in Nashville. Greeny runs uh, the training school um, like for AIW and does a whole bunch. I mean, just a, does a whole bunch of, of just, he's an organo trained guy who now trains guys himself, you know, just really, really, really proud of these guys. And I don't think you make that call out unless you, something is happening. So whether it's VIF is going to get the call from AEW soon and going to show up there, which I would love, or if, you know, FTR really is leaving now that they're losing all these titles, if they're going to do some sort of indie run while they kind of figure things out or, or whatever, I could totally see FTR coming after the IWTV tag team titles with uh, against F- uh, VIF. So I want to throw that out there. I think it's ma- it's absolutely massive for Koo and Garini to be making this kind of call out. Because once again, I just don't think that they made this call out and it just, does, and I, I don't think it just doesn't lead to anywhere. Like I, I think we actually do get that match somewhere. I think, I think it ends up happening, but I don't think like it's a set in stone thing. I'm actually leaning more towards like they did it because 
they think they can get it done because FTR, you know, might be finishing up with, with AEW. Like, they're dropping all the titles and everything. Even if like they're not, it, it's clear that like FTR can take like independent bookings and things. They they've they've been wrestling like big time wrestling and and things like that. Um, so those so they they've taken indie bookings and Dax has wrestled at uh, Wrestlecade and stuff. So I think maybe they they did the call out of like. Hey, I think we can they get it done, but I don't think this is like set in stone of like, hey, we're doing this call out because we actually have this done, uh, especially like on a streaming service with like independent uh, uh, IWTV. Like, I don't know if that that might be a little bit more complicated of them being on a streaming service and taking taking the bookings. I know, uh, you know Moxley was able to do GCW shows on like fight pay-per-views, but then, you know, lo and behold, when Fight Plus comes along, Moxley ain't taking as many uh, of these indie bookings and everything, at least not doing matches. He's just making like maybe appearances and everything. So I, I don't know if this is like a fully done deal of, Hey, we're going to, we're going to make this happen. I, I don't think it's going to happen on like AEW television. I keep an eye on it. Maybe happening on ROH television. Yeah. I think that's a really good call. So shout out to Q and Garini bounces forever. Uh, I hope they get that match soon. That's been a dream match of mine for a long time now, and I really hope uh, the wrestling world gets to see that and that I get to see that as well. Um, I got to bounce, y'all. Got to go clocking for the shoot job and work some more overtime. Enjoy this conversation you're about to hear with myself, Jeremy, and Matt Thomas, world chess boxing champion. You're going to really enjoy it. This is a fascinating conversation. I really, really like this interview. And um, you can follow me on Twitter at Fight Talk underscore. Make sure to subscribe to Fight the Select Weekender podcast. And... Um, and yeah, hit the, hit the subscribe button, like, hit the thumbs up and all that. And I will see y'all next week, regular time next week, next Thursday, 9.30 a.m. Eastern. Thank you to everyone who joined us early today. Jeremy, great to see you, brother. And I will uh, see everyone in the chat later on. Have a great day, y'all. Hope this your job goes well. Feel better. Get some rest afterwards. Uh, real quickly, Van Twin Blade says MDK now means Maki Death Kill. I need that shirt. That segment with uh, Nick Gage and, and Maki Ito ruled. Was great uh go check that out dc talking about uh texas uh texas wrestling cartel this weekend cardona brian keith eddie martinez matt taven natalie markova maddie Rinkowski. uh guys so i i'm gonna throw this out, out there on our show now uh, if you are an independent promotion uh company and, and you want some coverage on fightful we we try to do our best to to cover indie stuff on this show that's why we have like an indie spotlight and another spotlight and we try to interview uh independent wrestlers we got some we got some cool interviews lined up already uh we've uh i won't i won't say who who they are because they they haven't been recorded and i don't like saying any interview that, that we're working on until it's actually recorded but we've got them we got the dates set down so hopefully in the next couple of weeks those will come to fruition um but any 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 wrestlers promoters companies anything like that dm me on twitter if you want your your stuff promoted i like putting that stuff in our uh fight size updates which runs every day at, at 6 p.m eastern i like throwing any type of like any promotion any promotion for like anything if you can if you're an independent wrestler and you have a, a promo that you did or you just have whatever you have a match you want to promote I, I don't care let me know dm me and I'll make sure to promote it in the Fight Size Update. And then if you are a promotion or a wrestler and you you wrestled on a show or you ran a show, send me results. All the results get their their single post on, on Fightful. And I try to do my best to cover everything uh, on the independent scene as well. I, I send out tweets, but maybe if you 
are listening or watching this and, and you don't follow me on Twitter or, or Fightful or Sean on Twitter then, and you don't see it, I'm letting you know now. Please DM me. I want to continue to do everything I can to cover the independent scene as best I can. And I know I'm not as deep into it as, as Steven Jensen is, but I, I've really enjoyed learning more about the scene over the past year in doing this show. And like, even if I'm not watching every single show because I don't have all the hours in the day to, to watch all, all of these shows. Uh, as long, if I can do results or if I can promote it on, on our site and it leads other people to watch these shows uh, that I, I'd like to help in that way as well. So yeah, check out uh, Texas wrestling cartel this weekend. I know we've pro- promoted them in our fight size updates. All right, let's get into it. Uh, let's get into our interview with Matt Thomas. As mentioned, he is a chess boxing world champion. You can learn all about the chess boxing uh, in this interview. You learn about some some influencer boxing. I did ask about professional wrestling, and he does have ties to a professional wrestler. And I know SB3 has been in the chat. SB3, I got the Love is Blind scoops for us, buddy. Uh, Matt was on the first season of Love is Blind, and being a fan of trash reality shows, I had to ask about that. So uh, here we go. Let's go to our creator spotlight with chess boxing world champion, Matt Thomas. Welcome to the creator spotlight, the interview portion of the spotlight here at Fightful. I am Steven Jensen, as always, with Jeremy Lambert. And today, our guest is a world chess boxing champion. He was a part of the Ludwig chess boxing event that recently happened. Massive success on YouTube part of uh, Love is Blind on, on Netflix, um, founder of Brawl for the Cause, a man of, of many, uh, many trades um, and, and many accolades, and a guy we're very happy to have on the show, Matt Thomas. Thank you for joining us. How are you today? What's up, guys? Yeah, I'm doing doing okay. How are you guys? Good, good. I, I'm excited that you're join, joining us for a different reason than Jensen is. Jensen's going to talk about chess boxing and everything, which I'm excited to learn more about. I'm going to talk about Love is Blind because that is one of my <laughs> favorite reality shows. But Jensen, I'll let you lead off. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't know where to start exactly because, you know what? The first the first question I had for you, I'm just going to knock it out right off the bat because um, I don't want to forget to. And it's like running the, kind of the top of my mind. You were a part of one of my favorite influencer boxing events, like traditional boxing events. Um, I was a big fan of the Aaron Carter, Lamar Odom card. I don't think that got enough credit for like what that was. Um, I think Aaron Carter deserved a lot more credit for taking that fight against the guy who was so much larger than he was, former NBA player and all that stuff. Um, you know, Aaron Carter recently passed away. We talked about it a little bit on our show here. Um, what was it like kind of just like being a part of that event? Because that was such like, it was such a freak show type of event, but like you went out there and killed it. I think you were the best boxer on the whole card for what it's worth. Oh, that, that means a lot. Yeah. You know, that, uh, that whole celebrity boxing circuit is, is a little bit of a circus in a good way. You know, it's, it's entertaining. It's supposed to be. And, um, and yeah, the the way I got on the card was kind of by happenstance. I I trained out of Atlanta, Georgia in a gym called Decatur boxing gym headed up by Xavier Biggs and Xavier, uh, was slotted to coach Lamar Odom for this fight. So, uh, he was looking for sparring partners, and uh, I'm I'm a little bigger than Aaron, but uh, but you know I I have more experience, and uh, I, I started sparring with Lamar to start getting him ready, and then they found out I was on Love Is Blind, and found out about Brawl for a Cause, and and said, "Do I want a spot on the undercard?" I said, "Absolutely." So uh, you know, it it was it was not a something I sought out. It's something that kind of just happened because I was at the gym one day and. 
Uh, and it was a really fun show to be a part of. It's the only time I ever, I, I've ever fought in Atlantic City. Uh, it was a sold-out crowd. And, and like you said, I, I don't think that main event got as much credit as it should have, especially that first round, Aaron looked great. He kind of stunned Lamar. And, uh, and I was like, no way. Is this going to be like a David and Goliath kind of thing where uh, Aaron's actually going to pull this off? But, uh, but of course, you know, L- Lamar is, uh, is a freak athlete and uh, was almost like twice the size of Aaron. So it, it ended how everyone thought it would. <laughs> well, so I'm really glad you brought that up. I mean, I didn't want to like – so. I think you're being very honest about all of that also, because I know you were in Lamar Adams corner during that fight as well. And Aaron Carter, I've said it before and I'll say it again, no headgear and or smaller gloves. That's a different looking fight. Like he, he didn't answer like the first probably 10 shots that Aaron threw at him. And I was like, wow, this is actually, I can't believe this is happening right now. And then, you know, not too much longer, you know, he's doing like the airplane spins and just kind of like, you know, the size, it was just too much, but I thought it was just really cool. You're a part of that event because that was just a whole kind of, um, I've, I've heard on like the back end, and I don't, you don't need to get into it, but I've heard like, I heard Aaron Carter talking about, um, the experience with Triller and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't know, um, how, you know, I, like you said, it's a, a lot of, it's a circus, but like, I did enjoy it as a spectator just for what it's worth. So. Yeah, but no, it's, it's fun. They, they put on, entertaining shows and uh and and yeah i, I mean i th- i think um because the gloves were 23 ounce and and you know the headgear is you know just about as much coverage as you could get it's very difficult to get injured in that kind of fight which is why i i went to the body you know the the, the my fight in that uh in that i i got a liver shot is it was probably i think it's the fastest tko i've i've gotten so i i I think if you don't go to the body you just you're kind of just you know playing sock and boppers with each other like it's not you aren't doing that much damage um if if i remember correctly you landed like a few solid combos and then the body shot and then like a really nice it was either like an overhand right or a right hook i remember and just just clean that dude's clock yeah, it, I, I slipped one of his overhand rights and 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 took a you know I, I landed a left hook to the body and and I it, it caught him um, I, I think on the liver uh, and and you know there, there's that delayed reaction when when you get hit in the liver it doesn't hurt immediately but then like your body's like uh oh and uh, and the second shot was just a straight cross and I didn't I didn't turn my hip all the way I didn't put my full force into it but it was wide open so I just. I, I caught him on the chin and I think that was just like the timber kind of moment. Like, on the ground and the ref called it there. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. Talk to me about chess boxing because you are a chess boxing world champion. And for those who don't know what chess boxing is, it is, I guess, exactly what it sounds like. You do a round of chess and then a round of boxing and you have to be good at both of this because you could obviously lose the the chess game before you even get to the boxing. Like I've watched uh, some of the highlights, and you're beating people at chess, and you're beating people at boxing. Like how how does this come about? Like who who even thinks of chess boxing? And then how do you get into something like this? Yeah, so I, I guess a couple things to unpack. So first, the the rules. It's it's the board game chess, the combat sport boxing, and you're alternating rounds between the two until there's checkmate or knockout, whichever comes first. So you're never doing both at the same time. So a lot of people kind of joke like, oh, you take a piece, you 
you know, then you, you get a, you know, cold cock them in the chin or something. It's like, no, it's, it's, it's the first round is on the chessboard. Right. You, you play it, our, our format last or two Sundays ago was two minutes of speed chess. So we're making moves. We're hitting our timers. There's an aggregate of two minutes between us. When that hits zero for those two minutes, they pause the, the game timer. They, they pause the game. They take the board out of the ring. And then uh, you have one minute to put on your gloves, psych yourself up, get ready to box. And as soon as the bell rings, we're boxing for two minutes. So we're going back and forth. Our heart rate's getting up. Our adrenaline's getting up. Let's say no one knocks each other out. Uh, when that bell rings, you go back to your corner, take off your gloves, come back to the board, pick up the game where you left off. And, and like that until time runs out, until checkmate, or until knockout or technical knockout. And uh, and the, the TKOs work kind of the same way as amateur boxing. And I usually don't go into this when, when, when I'm talking to uh, you know, most people or, or interviewers or whatever. But because this is like a fight audience, then, you know, we, we can sure. talk about the stoppages. So yeah. um, the, the TKOs work the, the same as amateur boxing where there's three stoppages in a round counts as TKO or four stoppages in a whole match. So it, it typically ends like that more than like an actual knockout. Pretty, as you know, pretty hard to knock someone out. But uh, you can't overwhelm someone enough times or, or get enough momentum going in your, in your direction to, to earn those stoppages. How, how much does the, like, I'm trying to think of the best way to ask this question. How much do you, does one affect the other? Like once you get a few rounds in, like is your chest like significantly more difficult, like mentally because like physically you're like recovering from the boxing? Like, does it make that, does it make both like, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Is like mentally and physically exhausting both ways to where really one affects the other throughout the whole process. Yeah. You know, it, it's, um, you kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of what the actual battle is. So a lot of people, when they hear chess boxing, it's like, Oh, you know, get as good as you can at chess, as good as you can at boxing. But really what, what, what you want to optimize for is state change management. Um, because the, the parts of your brain that you use for chess and the parts of your brain that you use for boxing work against each other. So what, what I mean by that is when you're in, when, when you're boxing, and you have a high adrenal state, your heart rate's really high, you're using the, the primal part of your brain, the part that evolved first, which is a very present part uh, of your brain. It's like, right now, I need to figure out what I need to do to fight, flee, or, or you know, if you can't figure that out, then you freeze. And that's how people get knocked out. So you, you got to be using that, like, in the moment, fight or flight kind of part of your brain. And when you play chess, pattern recognition, strategic thinking, and visualization. So that's the part of your brain that like, like makes plans five years in the future, like makes a business plan or, or, or whatever. Like it's, it's the part of your brain that, that has, a, ha, you know, gotten us to evolve to this point. So um, the, the minute in between rounds turns into another battlefield. How well can you wrangle your, your heart rate and bring it down to signal to your central nervous system? It's okay to exit fight or flight and dump adrenaline so that you can start to focus on the, the next round, which is chess. So you can start to assess your position on the board. You can start to think about candidate moves and you can make the, the best decision to start out. And, and the reason that's so important is the beginning of each round is when the, the match altering mistakes happen in both chess and boxing. So if you come out too cold in boxing, you get called up early 
then momentum just is like against you for the rest of the round. And that's usually when people get knocked out or, or get stoppages. And then the, the inverse is true for chess. If you're still like huffing and puffing and think about getting hit last round and not, you know, focus on the board, you make one wrong move. It's easy to capitalize on that and get momentum going your way on, on, uh, on the chessboard too. So that state change management is super, super important. So how do you train for something like that? Because obviously you train boxing, you train chess, you play a lot of chess games, do boxing stuff. But which, when you're talking about like the, the state change management, like that is the interesting part to me because you're right in that. And I've never done chess boxing, but you're right in that. Like that would seem to be the most difficult part is like, all right, I'm amped up. I'm ready to fight. Oh wait, I got to come down. And now I got to like make moves on a chess board. Like how do you train your brain to, to do that aside from, I just, I guess, doing chess boxing like rounds and stuff. Are there other ways to sort of train your brain for that? I guess is what I'm asking. Absolutely. Yeah. We call it priming and, um, and it, it really wasn't popularized, uh, popular, popularized. In yoga in order to uh, optimize for the next round in between rounds. So, so for like, let's, let's say before a boxing round, uh, I would use a breath from yoga called Kabbalah Bhati or, or what's known in English as fire breath. And if you've ever seen that, like Wim Hof guy who like survives, like super cold temperatures can hold his breath a long time. He does a, a, a certain breath before he does all that. It's the same, it's derived from the same breath from yoga. So what it, what it does is it, if it, it over oxygenates your, your bloodstream and your brain. So you're getting way more air intake and it compresses your abdomen so that it massages your organs, moves them around. And that helps you release adrenaline. Cause usually when, when you do that in nature, when you're, when you're like your organs are getting rearranged, usually you're in some sort of activity or in danger. So when you do that kind of breath, you're, you're both helping yourself and tricking your triggering yourself to get into that, that fight or flight state. And then I, I have an opposite kind of breath called Samavriti or box breathing is what it's called in like the special forces. It's what Navy SEALs use to calm themselves down when they're in the heat of battle so that they can make strategic decisions. Wow. And, and box breathing, the simplest form of it is just four, four count breaths. Inhale for four seconds, hold for four seconds, exhale for four seconds, hold for four seconds with empty. And, and what you can kind of, what, what I usually train people in is because it's really hard to hold your breath at empty, uh, especially when you're not used to it. What, what you want to do as a first step is just try to exhale longer than you inhale. So if I, if I take a sharp inhale for four seconds, then I want to try to exhale for longer than those four seconds, try to get to five, six, seven, eight, nine seconds by the end of the transition round. And what that does is kind of like a biohack that signals to your central nervous system. It's okay to exit fight or flight, dump the adrenaline and calm the body down, which will help calm the brain down. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> that's absolutely fascinating. The science that goes into that. Um, and and boxing coaches have been doing that a long time. Like in between rounds, they'll, they'll cue, okay, slow, deep breaths. Make sure you're breathing in through your nose. Try to breathe out through your mouth. You're, like that, that slower, more controlled breath has been used in a variation for boxing. But but because chess boxing is such a different animal, the same techniques can't be used. You have, you have anywhere between uh four and five minutes of downtime in between boxing rounds like that's enough time for your body to kind of get cold so you you need to be doing 
different things than when you usually only have a minute in between rounds and and regular combat sports. Yeah, I, do you think the strategy changes or, or at all for um like the beginning of the show was smash and and boxing, which was very interesting. I didn't know that was going to be happening until I was watching the event. And I know there's been like controversy recently in the Smash community and Nintendo with the tournaments and stuff. So, and I know Ludwig is very big in that community. I'm sure he's trying to help out and get get you know, people talking about it. And you know, the perfect example getting that on the show. Um, what was it like seeing something like that? Because I've never seen anything like that before. It was like a video game for a round, and then boxing for a round. I know it's the same like general concept, but was that something new to you as well? Or is that something that's like a little more out there that we just don't know about? It was brand new. Yeah. I, and, and it was actually his first idea prior to hosting a, a chess boxing event. Like four years ago, he wanted to host a smash boxing event and, and pursuing the smash boxing event is what led him to chess boxing. So, uh, you know, it, it, you know, long story there, but, but that's the, that's the road that led to me getting involved with the event is uh, they, they ended up having a really tough time sanctioning the, the combat sports. And, uh, and, and when I got involved, I, I initially just got involved to help coach the participants on, on how to do the state change management, uh, how to do chess boxing specific exercises and drills and, and how to build training programs. Cause that's, you know, when I competed in the world championships, that's, that's what I got reps in. And, uh, and I could like pass off a lot of that, those training documents. But when, when I got more involved with the event, I, I kind of realized like, Oh, they're in danger of like not being able to host it. You know, it, when I, when I talked to the head event planner, he, he had never done a combat sport event. He had done huge events, like really talented event planner, but just hadn't, hadn't had to like ensure an event like this before, hadn't had to to go through athletic commissions or through USA boxing to get it sanctioned. And, uh, and that's where the, the 11 years of, of planning and promoting the brawl for a cause events really came in handy because the, the head of the California state athletic commission is the former head of the Georgia state athletic commission. So I already knew the guy. And, uh, and so they ended up engaging me, not just as a coach, but as a consultant to help plan the event. And then as a, you know, the last thing to come around was the commentary. Uh, which which was the part that I, I was most excited about. <laughs> well, that was my next question, actually. Like, what what was that whole experience like? I mean, being on commentary, being a part of the event, being so um, involved backstage and behind the scenes, and also, I mean, for people who who are watching the show that might not know, uh, Ludwig is is a massively famous and popular streamer. That like, I mean, they y'all had a concurrent viewership of like over half a million at points during this thing. I want to say like it was it was unreal the amount of people that watch this live and i followed his journey from like twitch to youtube his his um his never-ending stream and stuff like that and like so it's been really cool seeing him and seeing it because people knock the influencer boxing and stuff and i and i get it the the the, the circus aspects that we've kind of touched on but at the same time like they're also just bringing eyes to stuff like people are watching people are interested and i feel like Hey, what's to say that a YouTuber can't just throw events like this if people are going to watch it? I mean, if, if professional boxers, some of these events hardly anyone shows up, but these YouTubers can put can put butts in seats and they can get people to watch online. I mean, I think it's super impressive. So, what was it like being a part of the event just in general for you on commentary and behind the scenes? Yeah, I'll definitely talk about the event, but I, I think it's important to to reiterate what you said about influencer boxing. Um, so, this this is something I've been passionate about since starting Brawl for a Cause in 2012. Which, which is, I, I get the purest argument of it. It dilutes the, the quality of the sport 
but in reality, it doesn't affect the quality of the sport. There's still the top 1% that, that are going to fight in other events that are going to fight for pure fans that know what they're watching. But in order for the sport to be healthy and to, to thrive, you need hobbyists. You, you need casual viewers that are willing to buy a ticket or turn on a stream and, and watch and get involved as a hobby themselves. So, so kind of like first level viewer, just watch it and be entertained and watch a few ads. We need you next level, buy, buy some wraps and gloves and get into a gym, support boxing coaches, support USA boxing. If you want to try amateur boxing, so support that, that beginner level. And then inevitably there's going to be the filters and the working your way up the ladder to get to the top tier of the sport that are, are, you know, I think where, where the heart of the argument against influencer boxing is coming from. And we have the same thing in chess boxing. In, in fact, the the founder, Jer- Jeremy asked earlier, you know, who, who would have started something like this? The, the founder was a, an artist and a purist. He, his, his mission was to find the, the smartest, toughest man on the planet. And it, it was a, a noble quest and an interesting, you know, like tagline for articles. But it is not what would grow the sport uh, most ef- efficiently or effectively. Uh, what we saw two Sundays ago is, and 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 so to segue back to what it was like being involved with this event, I caught some flack from our community for for being involved, but but what ended up kind of like bringing it full circle for them was they needed someone to write their rule set and get it approved, so I was able to write that rule set and then fly over four international officials from the the World Chess Boxing Organization in order to officiate the event. So building that bridge between this this you know influencer bunch of eyeballs bunch bunch of butts and seeds to like some sort of 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 source of of the, you know the seed that started the sport it, it it fit the right balance the right yin and yang of like what what could be considered the actual sport and what would be entertaining for people to watch because you know these people uh, you know none of them had chess box before. And, and it's supposed to be like this big coming out party for the world or, or for our world. And, um, and you know, I, I think uh, I think two things happen. Two men. Two Sundays ago, we had the highest ever chess player that, that had chess box compete as grandmaster Amon Hamilton from chess bra competed. And, and, uh, and so that like set a new record for us where a grandmaster took on an international master and the grandmaster knocked out in the first boxing round, the international master. Awesome. That's like one side of the spectrum to, to see chess boxing expressed in that way. was so cool. And then you see the other side of the spectrum where two of the biggest YouTubers in the gaming sphere myth, and Churdley's right had a combined rating that was lower than anyone else on the card. Right. So people who don't know, like they essentially didn't play chess. They were just letting it go through to get to the boxing rounds is essentially what that. And they made it entertaining. You know, they, right. they would put their finger <laughs> over a piece. They would be like cheering to like move that piece. They'd move it. They'd spend an extra like two minutes just like 
hyping up the crowd or like making faces at their opponent. And it was absurd, but that's, that's part of the entertainment. That's part of like why they were on the card, why they have millions of followers and why they brought a percentage of those followers to that event. Like that's, you, you need that just as much as you need the smaller streamer that has the highest chest rating that has ever been in our sport. So, I mean, you mentioned the, the entertainment aspect of it and the boxing influences and stuff. So we are a wrestling podcast and I'm going to bring in some wrestling here. Logan Paul, Jake Paul, big time influencers who are now in professional Logan Paul, certainly into professional wrestling, main eventing major shows against Roman Reigns. Is there any wrestling influence from you doing all these, these boxing events, these chess boxing events? Like, have you any interest in the the pro wrestling world? I guess is what I'm asking. So, the the first conversation that we had about celebrity boxing, where where Aaron Carter fought Lamar Odom, and I was on the undercard, they are positioning themselves as the WWE for boxing. So they say our, it themselves, yeah, they say themselves, yeah. and yeah. and if you you know if you take a look under the hood or peek behind the the curtain. The, their sanction is the same kind of sanction that the, that the WWE gets. So they don't have, they don't play by the same rules that pro boxing or even amateur boxing play by. They play by a, an entertainment set of rules, not a competitive combat sport set of rules. So I won't go too too much into detail with that, but I I think that um, at the end of the day everyone's doing the same thing which is entertainment any sport is is really entertainment for for everyone but the people on the field uh or or in the ring or whatever it's entertainment and and for most of the people that engage in it it's it's a livelihood it's a job and that that job is to to entertain, to sell tickets, to sell sponsorships, to sell ads. And, and, uh, and sometimes the, the most elite version of competition is what sells those tickets or sponsorships or ads. And sometimes it's not the most elite kind of conversation uh, competition, not the most exciting thing in the ring. Sometimes it's the most exciting thing out of the ring. Look at Floyd Mayweather, boring fighter, defensive grandmaster, but, but look what he did outside the ring to compensate for that. He had a big mouth. He made people hate him. And and I think that the Paul brothers do a brilliant job of the same thing, which is why Logan can skip a bunch of, of steps and go straight to Roman Reigns and why Jake Paul is taking over the pro boxing world. It's not even influencer boxing anymore. It's it's just boxing. He's he's in the same conversations getting uh, as as the goats, you know, in our in our generation and he's getting honorary belts from the WBA and, you know, he's, he's selling out, uh, you know, like sections of seats for Madison square garden. It's, it's real, you know, it's, it's real because it's entertainment, not because of the, the, the best to ever do it. Well, you know, I think we talked, I agree with all of that. And we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier too, with like, like kind of the hate that like just celebrity boxing gets and stuff like that and youtuber boxing influencer boxing and like i think that's jake paul is the most polarizing by far because i feel like everyone just doesn't know how to process it the purists are like no there's just no way he can be this good there's just no way just this is fake until he fights a real boxer it doesn't matter 
But then like people like me that are more on the fringe of boxing, but really into mixed martial arts, we're like, well, no, like beating Anderson Silva is legitimate. Beating Tyron Woodley is legitimate. Beating like, like beating these guys in boxing, if you're Jake Paul with the, the little experience he has, these are legitimate victories. To, you know and so it's like it's, it's so it's like it, it's this weird thing where i feel like a lot of people want to see him fight a real boxer but at the same time doing what he's doing is drawing so well that like why would he stop doing what he's doing you know i i'm gonna give a controversial opinion that that your audience might hate but jake paul is the best to ever do it and and here's wow. how i'm gonna support i love this. that i love that. Here, here's how i'm gonna support that <laughs> He, the reason he's the best to ever do it is because when, when I was in professional boxing promotion, I, I took three fighters pro uh, and, and the first 10 to 15 fights that all three of those fighters had were against nobodies, against people that they never, ever should have been in the same ring as that, that people that are, are hired to get knocked out, not because it's like fixed beforehand, but because they need the money so bad. And they're a career get in there and build someone else's record up. And, and it's the, it's a, it's a nasty shady part of our sport, but it's a part of our sport. And, and Jake Paul is not only not engaging in that nasty, dirty, shady part of our sport. He is making millions fighting big names that, that maybe aren't boxers, but are certainly better than some drunk that they picked up outside of a bar that needs to pay their rent next month. And, and the reason he's the best to ever do it is, is if you take away where you, where he came from, and if you take away like his stigma as this like problem child, YouTuber, Viner, whatever, and you just look at his age, his weight, his record, him training. If you look at him objectively, He's really good for how early in his career is. It's yeah, like, I, yeah, I completely agree. And even you look at someone at the top, the top top that all the like big promotions are betting on, like Brian Garcia. Mm-hmm. Even as recently as his last two fights, he's fighting people he has no business being in there with because they're trying to build them back up. And it's bullshit. No one, no one watched those fights because <laughs> no one wants to watch those fights. Whereas, you know, Jake makes a, makes a, 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 he sets a great example of how to still do the same thing, but do it in a way that helps the sport, that, that sells tickets, that, that uh, brings more people into viewership and, uh, and, and a way that gets him ready to actually take on real fighters, which I think we'll see very soon. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I, I agree. I mean, and that's the thing. He's just in this weird space where it's like, you know, he's clearly good enough to beat high level MMA fighters, but he's also too famous to just like have fight like a no name guy and like risk it against a no name guy. And all. And so, so like, it has to be like a bigger name in boxing. So like, but why would like, why would like, you know, um, you know, triple G or somebody like that, or like Canelo, like, why would they want to fight Jake Paul? So he's in like this really weird space of like, he just found a really, a really good uh, niche. And on top of it, I completely agree with you, Matt. Like people call me, like, you know, a, you know, a, a, a Jake Pauler and like a low gang, you know, nut rider and stuff like that. Cause I like them in professional wrestling. I think they work really well in, in the context of pro wrestling. And I think Jake deserves a lot of credit. So I think that, um, I really appreciate you saying this stuff because 
it makes me sound less crazy to our audience because I'm constantly talking about how impressed I am by Jake Paul. Yeah, and and the best to ever do it. I'm not saying he's the best boxer of all time. Sure. Doing it is like the boxing game. He's playing the game of of professional boxing better than anyone ever has, ever, period. Like that there isn't even a close second. I mean, you're you're not wrong in that, like, yes, the first 10 fights, even like 20 fights of most boxers' careers, it's cans who, hey, let's build up your 20 and 0 against nobodies. Jake Paul is doing that, but he's not facing nobodies, and he's making millions on top of that. While most boxers who start off ten and zero make thousands if they're if they're lucky. Uh, so look, I, I I can't even disagree when you put it like that. Uh, I I don't mind the Jake Paul stuff. Bless them for for getting that money. And Logan, uh, you know, we we talk about him a lot on this podcast. He's transitioned to wrestling very very well Uh, i will ask you this like any interest in in professional wrestling from from you whether it be small scale independent or maybe even aiming a little bit higher competing in it competing Um, managing anything i i look i'm open to it i did the celebrity boxing thing i'd do that again um it's 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 lower risk you know, it's, there's definitely still a risk. Logan just blew his ACL and there's plenty, you know, I'm, I'm friends with diamond Dallas page, uh, who, you know, put himself back together with yoga, which, which is, you know, the, uh, I have a big yoga background. That's where I got the breasts from for chest boxing. So, you know, like I, I, I get it and, uh, and I see the value in it and I would be open to something like that. That being said, I, I think, uh, aside from, you know, like, like excellent offers that are hard to refuse. I think I'm on the commentary promotion side of this business from here on out. Um, you know, I, 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 I competed in my sport, uh, which I feel like I was born for playing chess as a kid, doing martial arts as a kid, finding a sport that combined the two being the first person for my country to, to represent the, the U S in the world championship, ending up winning my, my weight category. I don't need to go on another journey like that. Like I, 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 you know, uh, I, I loved that, that journey and I kind of got it out of my system. And, um, and in terms of, of pro boxing, I kind of, you know, in my mid twenties, I had my shot at, at going into to full-time, uh, promotion and management for pro boxing. And, and one of the many reasons that I decided not to, is what I just explained about the, the shadier side of that, that business. And it being extremely difficult to change from the inside, uh, which is why someone like Jake Paul is so important. Starting a fighters union, uh, shedding light on everyone else who's doing it the old shady way and when he's doing it a new, hard, better way. You know, I I just can't I can't compliment him enough, even though I hate complimenting him because he's (laughs) such an asshole, (laughs) but he's so good. (laughs) So. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's ob- objectively and it, it, empirically and, and just calling a, a spade a spade. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm in it for, uh, the longevity and the success of, of combat sports before anything else. And I think that influencer boxing, I think that professional wrestling, I think that chess boxing and hybrid sports that are kind of attention grabby and different and, and draw more people into it. I think all those things are on the right side of uh, the the fence that we need to be on in order to to progress this this sector. 
Um, I had a couple more questions before, and then I know Jeremy had a couple, um, had some reality TV. Well, one on the reality TV stuff here in just a second. I, um, just a couple questions that I, I didn't want to forget to ask you. Do you have a preference? Like, would you rather knock someone out or checkmate them? Um, yeah, I, that question can be answered a couple of ways. I, the The reason I love chess boxing so much is every matchup is so dynamic and different. You aren't playing the same game against any any individual competitor. So it's it's always a different game plan depending on who you're up against. So, you know, the, the, the easy answer is it depends. Um, if, if I'm trying to actually answer your, your question, I'd rather checkmate. Um, it's less risky. There's less, there, there there's, you know, you're probably not going to get injured checkmating someone. <laughs> um, and, uh, and there, there's more longevity on that side of the equation. So spending your time getting better at chess um, I think that there's there's more dividends to be paid long term. Uh, okay. That that being said, it feels great and is much better for the highlight reel and a viral social media moment if you knock someone out. So if, you know if I'm answering from like that, you know, uh, fame or money kind of perspective, then I'd rather knock someone out. There you go. Uh, last question I've got is: um, Has there been any? I, maybe this is already out there, and I just don't know yet, but. Has there been any talks or anything you can tell us about uh, uh, like a sequel to the Ludwig chess boxing events? I'd imagine the first one was such a success that there'd be a follow-up to that. I know Creator Clash with iDubs, they're, they're going to be doing another one this year. And that was another just huge YouTuber, massive success. So, I mean, it isn't this isolated thing. People like try to make it out to be. There's a lot of success going on all over the place with this stuff. iDubs I will keep going and you're, you're going to see two of the fighters from Ludwig's event in the next creator clash and they haven't awesome. announced it yet, but, awesome. uh, but the, there will be some continuity between those two events. I love that. Um, and Andrea Botes is, is going to be continuing her boxing journey, uh, after chess boxing. So, um, and she's not one of the two that I just referenced in the next creator clash. So there's, there's going to be momentum from this event in, in multiple ways. Um, there is no official answer on if there will be a follow-up event to Mogul Chess Boxing Championship. Ludwig's thing is to do one big thing that's very different and grabs attention and move on to the next. And the only reason he's reconsidering putting one on again is because it took about $200,000 more than he expected in order to do the combat sport sanction insurance, try to explain to everyone what chess boxing was and why should they should come. And now there's enough name recognition for the sport where people know what they would be signing up for. Uh, they already have sponsors locked in. If they were to do another one, they could just re up because all those sponsors got great ROI on the most viewed live event on Facebook, uh, on, on YouTube ever, 316,000 concurrent live, and then, you know, tens of millions of, of impressions. Um, and then, uh, and the, I mean, the last piece is <laughs> they, they have the business model now. Like they, they were, they were trying to build the plane after they had already jumped off the, you know, jumped off the cliff. For this event now they already have 
have a business model and an event model where they could actually make money on the next one. You know, they, they spent 1.5 on this one. And, and this is just what they've said publicly. You know, I think they made about 1.3. So, uh, you know, a, a lot of that is as an investment into Ludwig's channel because he went up hundreds of thousands of subscribers because he decided not to pay-per-view and to, to broadcast it. And that's a worthwhile investment for him. Those, those, the lifetime value of those new subscribers is way more than two hundred thousand um, dollars. So that's how he can justify it. But uh, this is a long-winded answer to say they don't know yet. Uh, no, but no, I, 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 love I sure, answer. I sure <laughs> <Yeah>. hope so. <laughs> no, no, I, I love, I love hearing the inner work. I'm fascinated by the whole Twitch, YouTube, just all, all that stuff is just fascinating to me. I've followed a lot of those streamers for a long time, so like seeing. Um, in more recent years, some of them like really getting these massive contracts to switch platforms and stuff like that. Ludwood being one of the, the massive names to do that himself. Um, it just, yeah, it's fascinating to hear you uh, to kind of peel the kind of the curtain back a little bit on that. I, I, I appreciate that. Sure. Yeah. All right. I have a love is blind question because it's one of my favorite reality television shows. The wife and I watch it all the time. Fan, people who watch season one may not have even seen you because you weren't, weren't shown uh there was a, a love triangle with, with you danielle and rory you've talked about <laughs> this in other interviews so i'm not even going to ask about that because by all sound by all, all accounts of stuff i've read about it you guys navigated it well and handled it well and everything turned out well with you guys what i want to know is when you sign up for a reality show like this percentage wise or just through your mind are you expecting to really truly find love because there's a lot of reality shows out there bachelor everything out there all these too hot to handle is a big one that we love right now like do you really expect to go on there and be like i'm gonna find the person i'm going to spend the rest of my life with yeah i'll give a little context so um like you said i was a very small part of season one uh my, my only discernible speaking is in the first 30 seconds of the show my face pops up and tells you the premise of the show and so i i you know when it came out at the beginning of covid in 2020 i still had everyone from my past reach out because i you know i'm the first face that pops up but then you know i i go away because i don't get married on the show and and you did your homework uh so you know i i did end up connecting with someone through the experiment we ended up dating after the show after the filming and we remain friends, albeit at a distance, but it's, uh, you know, it, overall, it was a very positive experience for me. <clears throat> um, to answer your question, did I think it would be successful? Um, I I went on the show, show for a couple of reasons before uh, the reason that I thought it might be successful. The first reason is we were planning on raising money to launch a reality TV show for Brawl for a Cause. And, and if you don't know what Brawl for a Cause is, it is first time fighters literally fighting for what they believe in. So they, ch they, they choose a charity that's close to their heart, that's affected them, their family, a community that they're a part of. We train them for three months uh, under, under the condition that they haven't done this before. They haven't had a fight before. So they learn how to defend themselves, how to throw a punch, uh, and, and how to represent their cause, how to personally brand themselves, how to fundraise, the, uh, all that. And uh, and then everyone that contributes to their campaign gets to come out and watch them get punched in the face for what they believe in. 
and you don't sign up to get punched in the face unless you have a really good reason to. So uh, the, the stories that come out of our event are absolutely amazing, which is why we thought it would make for good reality TV. So while we were putting together the pitch for Brawl TV, uh, Netflix reaches out to cast me in reality TV. And I normally wouldn't be caught dead on a, on a dating show. Uh, you know, I, I don't want that kind of attention. I don't want that kind of following. Sorry, Love is Blind fans. Um, <laughs> but, you know, just seeing what happened to my friends, like Barnett and Damien and all, all them. It's like, you know, they're getting weird, like death threats and feet pics yeah. and all kinds, you know, we, all kinds of weird shit that I don't, I don't have any interest in. But when they pitched the show, I was like, okay, there's utility in this. Cause from the inside, I can understand how, how the production of, of, of a high budget reality TV show works at, from a participant expect, perspective, which is valuable because if I'm going to ask my brawl for a calls fighters to, to do a reality TV show, I, I will have liked to, to not just talk the talk, but walk the walk and fight the fight and go through a reality TV show myself. And that's what I did before I, I started promoting the charity boxing events is I fought myself. So I made sure it was a good thing. And this would be the same kind of thing. Like I'll, I'll go ahead and go through this. But when they pitched the show, it was pitched very different than it was portrayed on Netflix. The, the way that it was pitched was it was a PhD's uh, basically thesis that all of her work was in audiology or, or the effect of sound on the human brain. And so her, her experiment was can love occur without seeing the person that you're falling in love with? And she did studies with like complete strangers and, and noting like the effect on brain waves between strangers' voices on each other. And then people that have been in love with each other for 80 years. And, and the effect when they, they would hear a stranger's voice or their, you know, their wife's voice and, and the effects on their brain that it would have. So I was like, holy shit, that's super cool. Like, you know, I, 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 this human experiment sounds like something I'd like to be a part of. And, and if it happens and it works amazing, like I found my wife in the super interesting, you know, unique, weird way. Um, and if it doesn't work out, then I still get the, the utility of it for, for brawl for a cause. So, um, it was a win-win for me. Uh, no one on the show expected it to do what it did. Uh, you know, we, we thought it would be an, just another show that no one watched and it, it ended up being, uh, you know, number one in the U S uh, you know, top 10 globally, um, and, and absolutely blowing up the main characters on the show. Uh, so yeah, pretty, pretty crazy how that all happened. Legitimately one of my favorite reality television shows. I'm just a huge yeah. fan of like reality TV like that. And I love love as well. So I root for all of you guys when you're on there. Totally. I root for all of you guys to yeah. like be engaged, get married, live happily ever after. But then, you know, like I feel like 90% and that might be a low number just don't end up working out. And, and that saddens me. Um, but season one actually did well. There's actually people who still are together from season one. So you guys have really bucked the trend on that one. Yeah. Well, you know, season two, the two married couples have separated. Yeah. Um, truthfully, I haven't watched season three. But season one, Cameron and Lauren are still together. And, yeah. and love them. You know, they're, they're great. And, uh, and, and Barnett and Amber still together doing great. I, I interact with, with Barnett more than I interact with most of the cast. We, we had a co-stream. I, I just started 
because of Ludwig, I started streaming video games and fitness uh, on Twitch and uh, and Barnett also streamed. So we had a, a Call of Duty co-stream last week. Uh, season one is just absolutely fantastic. Barnett and uh, Jessica and Amber, that whole thing, just great reality television. If you love kind of, I will call it kind of trashy reality TV. But I did when I was reading about the stuff and it, it sounded like, you know, this love triangle you had going on, you weren't going to play into that. And obviously that is where producers of reality TV are like, well, we're not going to really show a lot of this then because you're not giving us the drama we are searching for. So I actually commend you if this is the case of like, yeah, we're just going to kind of be normal about this and not actually try to build things up here. I do commend that if that's the case. Yeah. I, we, we weren't dramatic enough. We, you yeah. Know, they, they thought the love <laughs> triangle was going to end in, you know, they, they kind of profiled me as this like fighter and, mm. and the other guy that fell in love with Danielle Rory is a competitive gamer. So two really competitive profiles, they thought we were going to go at each other. And, uh, and we, we were best friends and we decided <laughs> to do what it was, in, whatever was in the best interest of the person that we fell in love with. And uh, that was a, I thought a really good ending and example for the world and the whole thing, but they I don't care about didn't that. think so. so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about that at all. Yeah. I appreciate I appreciate the insight of that. Again, huge fan of the show. So that rules. Um, last question. We'll get you out of here. Coolest thing in your room. We ask everyone. Oh shit. Uh, yes. okay. Um, yeah, if you can get it, yeah, if you go get it. Yeah, yeah. If you can pick it up, you need to go get it, go for it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess the the world championships medals in here. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's a world champion in chess box. I mean, I got I got all kinds of stuff in this room. I'm I'm like uh I'm I'm on my way to being a hoarder. I like <laughs> I like tokens, you know, like like uh, mementos from stories and events and. Um, I, I already, I always loved the idea. I, I hate that it's the antagonist from Harry Potter, but I love the idea of, of Voldemort's uh, Horcruxes. Do you guys know mm. what I'm talking about? Yes. Why Where he like stored pieces of his soul yeah. in items. Mm. I feel like that's such a real thing that, that <laughs> people do. Like you, you, you have like the good luck charm, you have the trophy, you have the whatever. And I, I'm definitely, I definitely subscribe to that. Um, <laughs> Let's see. What should I pull here? Uh, so much good stuff that. It, so here's a chess box trophy. Oh. Nice. Yeah, that's nice. You, you can see the the king in the middle, yeah. and then the two boxers on either side. This was from the the first chess boxing world championship I went to in Calcutta in 2018. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, sweet. And and India Indians in general do their their accolades. They're like uh, their celebrations all the way. It's 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 like second to none. They uh, they go all out for their ceremonies, for their celebrations, for their their trophies. So all the stuff I've gotten from the Indian events are are super cool. <laughs> that, is, that is awesome. That is yeah, that's Actually, fantastic. I'll get the other one too, so you can see what okay. I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, we want to see that. Yeah, absolutely. trophies and just medals and stuff oh Ooh, so nice. my uh it doesn't even fit in the, the screen the whole way <laughs> Are you um, good? so my <laughs> my teammate in 2018 kevin von carber and i uh we 
we we trade this trophy back and forth every like two years. We we make a point to spend a weekend together and uh and hang out and tell old stories and hand this trophy back and forth. Uh, because we're the only two people from the United States to go over in 2018, and we both won our weight categories, which means that even though there's only two of us, as a team, as Team USA, we still place third overall in the medal count. Uh, so this is the third place trophy <laughs> awesome. from the World Championships for for United States, which is bigger than either of our individual <laughs> trophies or medals. About to say, uh, if that's the third place. I'd like to see what the the first place trophy. Wild, looks like. yeah. It's like the, it's like it's like the size of me. It's like you know, it's like <laughs> six feet tall. It's, it's crazy. Uh, Matt, we we appreciate you joining us tonight. Uh, really, just fascinating, insightful stuff that I certainly didn't know about, and hopefully our audience learns a little bit about. Uh, let everyone know where they where they can find you at on social media or streaming platforms or anywhere. Yeah, you already got my my Twitter up there. So it's just my name, Matt Thomas, with an underscore after it. And then everything else, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube is moving with Matt, M-O-V-I-N-G with W-I-H-T and then Matt, M-A-T-T. So uh, yeah, I stream, if not every day, every other day. Uh, I'm doing mostly health and wellness content, chest boxing, kind of workouts, uh, yoga, the fitness concept called fight and flow that does basic martial art movements combined with yoga. So if you want free fitness, if you want some mindfulness, if you want to learn more about chess boxing, twitch.tv backslash moving with Matt would be the place to go. Nice. We'll make sure to put the links in the description below for everybody who watches this. Cool. Yeah. The, the fight and flow, the brawl, uh, brawl for a cause, which I'm glad you provided more insight for because I was reading about that and that is uh, very interesting stuff and, and a good cause as well. So it's, it's really cool. That Do you, you have a date for a future for the, for next, for next event? Yeah, we have multiple dates reserved in Atlanta in late April and uh, to mid May. Um, well, and I, I think we can go ahead and say what the venue is going to be. Cause it's very unlikely we go with any other venue at this point, but the new uh, overtime league in Atlantic station, the basketball Coliseum with 1200 seats, uh, plus whatever we can fit on the court with VIP tables. It's going to be an awesome venue. So we're, we're looking at Atlantic Station in late spring. Okay. Nice. My brother's been trying to get I, – I, I've never competed. My brother's been trying to get me on one of these things. I've, I've, I've been thinking about it. I need to get in better shape. But uh, Oh, this might but, be the year. This might be the year. <laughs> April, there's there's time. for If, if it's April, there's, there's time. I could do a little like three- to four-month training camp and get ready. Um so yeah, yeah, appreciate you, Matt. We we uh my, my brother's been wanting to link me up with you for a while. So I'm really glad that uh we were able to do this, man. Well, shout out to your brother, Boxing ATL. He's a great coach. <laughs> if you were gonna take on that challenge, I think you'd have a great guy in your corner. And uh and yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on and and sharing your platform with me. Thank thank you again, Matt. We really appreciate it. Guys, uh thank you for tuning in, and we'll be right back here on the spotlight. We are back. Thank you to Matt Thomas for joining us on the show. Uh, again, check out all the all the information is below here on YouTube. Uh, links to his Twitter, uh, links to his Twitch, links to his YouTube, links to Brawl, Brawl for a Cause uh, and Fight and Flow and other projects that, that he is involved with. And check out Chess Boxing. I, I watched some of it the other weekend because Stephen Jensen is clearly a fan of it and 
it's it's very interesting and hearing matt talk about it and the the different breathing techniques that that go into it it's fascinating stuff really and it really combines you know brains and brawn of uh of just people in general of like here you go here's who's who's the best boxer who's the best chess player so really really interesting stuff thank you again to matt guys all right i'm very tired uh i'm going to sleep i appreciate everybody that has followed along with our new japan coverage the past couple of nights um shout out to to scott edwards scotty wrestling on twitter he was a big help when it came to wrestle kingdom coverage uh scott and rob wilkins did our wrestle kingdom post show uh huge watch alongs on on fightful overbooked we did a watch along of sasha banks and bailey from takeover brooklyn before Wrestle Kingdom, and then we had a giant Wrestle Kingdom watch along. Uh, many, many people in the Fightful Overbooked were, were part of that, and just friends of Fightful in general were part of that. So you can go back, you can check those out if you would like. Uh, but just go over to Fightful Overbooked and support uh, the different stuff that we are doing over there, different content creators that we are trying to to give platform to, and you know, they're they're doing fantastic work. Uh, it's it's already in in the past, but our Wrestle Kingdom preview, uh, I was super happy with, super proud of Matt from Shining Wizards, who got a shout out from Kevin Kelly on Wrestle Kingdom, and Kieran, who was there, who went to like 15 different shows uh, during during this past week in Japan. They will be having their Wrestle Kingdom review show probably maybe later this week or early next week. Uh, I don't quite know yet since Kieran has been over in Japan, just taking everything in. But when that comes out, everyone definitely please check that out. I know it's going to be great. Those guys kill it with their new Japan coverage. Scott is launching uh, a Japan podcast on Fightful Select here very shortly. So very happy, very proud of everything the guys are, are, are doing when it comes to Japan coverage. You can go to Fightful Overbooked, go check all that stuff out. Thank you, everyone. Later on today, Day after Dynamite with Will Washington at 3 p.m. Eastern reviewing last night's Dynamite. Head over to Fightful Select. Sign up to Fightful Select. Head over to Fightful.com. Check out all the news we've been doing this week. Very long week for all of us involved. Thank you again for all the support, everything we do. Subscribe to this channel. Subscribe to FightfulOverbook.com. Leave us thumbs up on all the videos. Subscribe to Fightful Select. Thank you again, guys. We appreciate you. Love you. We'll be back next week, 9.30, back in our normal time slot. Guests we've been working on. Again, we got some we got some really fun guests from the world of independent wrestling coming up. Some names that I would keep an eye on in 2023. If you're an independent wrestling fan, I would keep an eye on some of the names that we're about to speak to in the next couple of weeks because I think they're in for big years. Guys, again, thank you. Appreciate you. Bye, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have- everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.